Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, everybody? This is the Nick and Matt Show. We have a special guest tonight named Nick Carl. Uh, we wanted to introduce everybody, the world, to Nick Carl. And yeah. so this is the interview you get tonight. Nick, sit, just relax, <laughs> kick back. You've been working really hard. Hey, what's Sweet. up, man? You're, yeah. you're you're in an RV right now. Where are you located? We are outside of Belton, Texas. I actually don't know exactly what town I'm in right now, but it's about 25, 30 minutes away from the course for the Belton or the Open at Belton, and I'm in Paul's RV currently. So just hanging out. So I tried setting up my laptop with my microphone and webcam, but the Wi-Fi just didn't extend like we kind of thought it would. And I didn't have enough time to go find like a Starbucks or something. So I've got AirPods in. Sorry it's about fine. The sound quality tonight. It's Hopefully the fine. video quality won't be terrible. No apologizing. So Nick, I'm going to read you out a few of the chats already because it should go without saying. Everyone yeah. is very happy to see you on a lead card at Waco. Congratulations. So someone said congrats on doing so well at Waco. Hey, if Nick's not there, Matt, tell him I said congrats. How about this one? Was so stoked to see that Nick manscaped the beast in round one. That's not paid ad placement there. That's just yeah. what someone said. Yeah. Um, I heard some Nick Carl guy made lead card. Congratulations. Good for him. Um, then people are just asking generally, is Nick playing all of Texas, Music City? What, what's, your, what's your tour plan, Nick? Uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll start with that one because it's pretty easy to answer. Um, I'm doing Belton this week, and then I'm actually headed back to Virginia to play some local events for a few weekends. And then I'm going to the Open at Tallahassee. After the Open at Tallahassee, I think it's the weekend after, is the major that's in Georgia, the Champions Cup. I ended up getting into it, um, not by invite, but because I'm 1,000-plus rated, I made, I think, the second or third tier of registration, and I was fortunate enough to – Sign up for it on time. So, anyways, I'm playing the Georgia Major, and then I'm also signed up for Deglow and Ledgestone, and then I should be going out to Beaver State Fling, which is in June. Um, that's pretty much it for big events that are solidified on the schedule. Depending how I do points series-wise, will determine whether I make it into GMC and MVP Open because those are playoff and qualifier events. And then, um, but I have. A lot of like B tiers, C tiers, and A tiers that I'm signed up for. I know one of them's an A tier. Then I have a lot of B tiers and C tiers that I do plan on playing. Right now, I think for uh, mentality purposes and still trying to improve as a player, playing local events is still huge for me. I'm not someone who right now can go out on the road and consistently do it the whole time. Um, but I love playing local events. And so I'm also doing a bunch of those in the Virginia area. And then I'm actually going to Massachusetts for two or three weeks at some point late May to play, I think a C tier, two B tiers, maybe three B tiers or something like that. Like I'm doing, I think four tournaments in two weekends. So I think Saturday I'm doing one then Sunday I'm doing one. And then the weekend after Saturday, I'm doing one and then Sunday I'm doing one. So it, it's a pretty busy schedule. I know right now I'm pretty sure I have the next eight weeks. I think I have eight tournaments in a row and something like that. And so I'm actually, I'm really excited for it. Um, I played a B tier last week. Uh, right before I drove to Texas, I got third place at a B tier and I averaged, um, I think about 1030 rated golf and I still lost by two strokes. And then, um, this week in Waco, I averaged 1008, which I know this is going to come as a shocker, but I'm very disappointed in that after popping off a 1075 first round, but 
I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Nick, and uh, so you you, you yeah. did good. <laughs> yeah, 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 people. Yeah. I think it was Conrad, Kent, one of our fans Conrad in the in the chat. He was doing it all weekend. You did good. <laughs> good Remember that? Yeah. yeah, you did yeah. good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so. We, we told you we'd say that if that happened. I will say from myself, super proud. We do have Evan in the room here too, Ben. Let's put him up. And I'm sure Evan has run some fun stats. Did you run anything for Nick? Or am I just making things up? Oh, I was running tons of things in the moment. Uh, Anything was, at all that stands out? Well, yeah. So uh, Nick was tied for the lead. That was his first time uh, tied for the lead after any round at an Elite Series or Major. Um, I think it was Luke Humphrey's first time tied for the lead as well. Uh, and then it was not Paul McBeth's first time. Uh, he has <laughs> quite a few of those. And then uh, 1070 yeah. rounds. It was also Nick's first 1070 round at any event. It was Luke Humphrey's third. And then it was Paul McBeth's. I actually had this wrong in the tweet. Uh, I had it how many he had before that day, not counting that round. Paul McBeth actually has a total of 161 rated rounds sense. above or above or at 1070. Uh, yeah. And then also Nixon exclusive club. He was the 300th member to be part of a club that none of us are in, which is uh, people to shoot a 1075 or better rated round. He was the 300th person to do so. There's about 1,200 total uh, from some players getting multiple, like uh, multiple. someone named Paul McBeth, Ricky Wasaki, <laughs> Felberg. 300. Uh, you said Nick, he's the 300? He's exactly the 300, wow, which was very really cool interesting. Yeah, very I was cool. looking that up, and I was just like, boom, that's cool. Get wow. a shirt, Nick. Cool. A shirt and a hat. Yeah. <laughs> number yeah, exactly. 300 what is that i was the three okay yeah. um yeah. we're we are really excited about this and so nick i want yeah. you to, i'm putting you in the hot seat like and i we didn't talk about yeah. this because i wanted this to be as organic as possible but i called you or we you and i message all the time but i called you before yeah. your round like the round that everyone was going to watch live like i called you before that round and i was like tell yeah. me about it um so i'll ask you here what were some of the things like, what was the process of that day? Like, like you woke up and I think Jomez hit you up or like the day after your round, like after you shot your nasty round, they probably hit you up. So walk us through the timeline yeah. from when you completed your round, you were like, okay, surreal yeah. till the, uh, so, end of the last day. Yeah. I'll, I'll start. I think the best way to start out the story is starting with Friday's round. So I was the second card to go off in the morning. I was at nine fifty AM. So we were, you know, I was two cards behind the FPO feature card that was going out for the live camera group. And I think we had like a 40 minute interval in between them. So we actually surprisingly didn't wait that much, which was really nice, but it was really cold that day. And it was pretty dang windy. Um, one of the windier, it was actually probably the most miserable round that I've ever played in any pro tour event that I've played in when it came weather wise. Um, it wasn't torrential downpour or any, anything like that, but for how windy and cold it was, it was just really miserable. Like I, I literally felt like I was playing team challenge up in, you know, New England on how cold it felt, how many layers I was wearing. And so when I woke up that morning, it was okay. Eat light, you know, get to the course, warm up for a little bit, stay warm, get into my car and then pretty much, you know, get to the tee pad and start playing some disc golf. And fortunately that whole week I was having incredible practice rounds um, I felt like I was shooting great in my practice rounds. I felt like I had most of the holes dialed in with how I wanted to throw them. And Waco is a course that if there's going to be a course that I, I can envision myself doing pretty well at, it, Waco is one of them. And so 
I started out birdieing hole one, which is a super great feeling for me. I think any tournament that I've played, when I get the birdie on hole one, it's a huge confidence boost of like, okay, this is real. We're in it. You know, let's let's play disc golf. And I always tell, tell myself like, all right, let's play ball. Like, let's get moving. And um, so then hole two came up through a great drive, through a good upshot. had a 20-foot putt, made that, got the birdie on two. Hole three came up. I was 15 feet right of it, pretty much pin high, made the birdie putt. Hole four is the first one into the woods, and it's a pretty tough dog like left. And then the basket goes back to the right. I threw the best buzz shot on that hole that I've ever thrown. Had an easy up and down three. And then hole five, I hit circle two putt. And that's when I was kind of just like, dang, like, okay, things are clicking right now. It's cold, but things are clicking. My body feels pretty good. I had a hand warmer. I had gloves on. My hood was up the whole round. I don't think I took it off once. And then I just tried to stay as warm as I could. I uh, missed hole six. I got hole seven, missed hole eight, part hole nine, which is exactly what I wanted to do. I made a great three on hole 10. I missed a circle one putt on 11. I had like a 180 foot throw in on hole 12, which was pretty sick. was totally lucky. Um, so that was pretty awesome. 13. I got, uh, sorry, Valerie Manahano just messaged me and I got a, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, spoiler guess, yeah. alert. We're going to have Valerie yeah. on in a little bit here. Yeah. Um, 13. Do you have her Instagram? Yes. It, actually, I did message her earlier, can, so I don't know. Can, okay. Can you message her and just saying, yes, I'm still in Texas. So her and I are still in the same time zone. Cause I told her six 30 time. Now that everyone's hearing our live talk here, I, I did message her exactly what you said already. Um, so okay. it's possible that she's not on the Skype yeah. to see that. So I can actually, you know what? Sorry, you can, you can take a second to do that. Story. Let me, yeah, let me, let me just take sorry. Okay. So while, while uh, Nick's doing uh, that, yes, um, we, we don't usually get a hole by hole breakdown, but I love the fact that disc golf, that's what we do following around. And the fact yeah. that Nick threw down the hottest round of his life, I'm totally down yeah. to hear it. So, so then anyways, go, you know, 13, I get the birdie, 14, I get the par 15. I end up taking a bogey. His camera's off. Um, <laughs> my camera. Okay. Is my, ca- my, my back? Your camera was, I don't know. It's like you shut off your camera. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, I don't know. It's okay. We'll leave it up like this. You can keep talking for now. But yeah, your camera's not up. That's weird. I have you up on my screen. Well, <laughs> I don't really know why to that. Anyway. There's a camera so, button that you have to hit, I think. Yeah, I did hit it. All right. Why wouldn't be doing that? That's so weird. Let me. Do I need to flip back for some other reason? Um, <laughs> All right. So, so, Nick, if can you I, if you I, want can to, can if I call you, you back? yeah, you can just call us right back. No problem. Yeah, let me do that. Okay. So while Nick takes care of that, we have a lot to talk about, and we are going to get into full recap of Waco, but we have to give Nick his due t- t- his time. He's earned this. So, Nick, all right, you're back on. What do you? Uh, you were up to hole twelve, I think, or thirteen. Up to 13. 13 take a birdie, 14 take a par, 15 I take my first bogey of the round, uh, super massive headwind, threw my upshot just a little short, missed the putt. Um, 16 is one of the relatively easier par fours on the course. Oh, I'll, I'll say this. When I threw in the shot on hole 12, that was the first time that I looked at scores because I was curious to see where I was at because I knew I was putting up a good round. I think at that point it put me at eight or nine down. And um, I saw that I was in the lead, which was kind of cool but at the same time there were still plenty of cards that didn't go off so i wasn't really thinking much of it um long story short ended up finishing the round at eight down and it was sticking for a while i know at one point some kid got to nine down and then he took a double bogey and then another bogey and so 
I had to leave for a while and then Luke Humphreys ended up tying it. And so now it was, okay, I'm going to go back home to the Airbnb that I was at and I'm going to warm up my body because I was freezing on the back nine. I literally started like, I was getting the chills at that point. I think it was, I was nervous of where I was sitting on the leaderboard. And then I was also freezing my butt off. So I went back and at that point, I started watching live coverage and I just kept looking at the scores and it got to a point to where I was like, okay, that should stick in the top eight. You know, I should be on some sort of coverage tomorrow, which is pretty sweet. And then a lot of the top pros were sitting at, you know, five or six down coming out of the woods, going to hole 13. So they still had holes 13 through 18 to play. And those were playing super hard because of all the headwind that was on them. And it finally got to a point where it said in that, you know, hey, I made lead card. Also had an opportunity to take the lead. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be on lead card. And then ended up tying the hot round first round. So now about an hour or two after everything was said and done the first day, uh, one of the guys from Joe Mess hit me up and they wanted to the next morning go out and film the profile that came up on Joe Mess round two front nine coverage of me. So we did that for about an hour. And then my tea time was until 2.50. And so I had still like a ton of the day to figure out, you know, what do I do? So I kind of just chilled out. I stretched, I did some practice putting, I ate, and, you know, then 250 rolled around, they called out my name, and I played disc golf, well, I attempted to play disc golf that day, and, uh, yeah, that was pretty much, I just, I had, unfortunately, a rough day on the course, my shots were about five feet off on almost every single throw of where I intended them and wanted them to be. So like, I'll, I'll kind of describe it like this on hole one, I threw the disc five feet too low. If it was five feet higher, it would have potentially been better. Uh, hole two, I threw it five feet too far, one OB and then missed a couple putts. Hole three, I threw it five feet too left. And so I hit a tree and that was just essentially how the round went. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have asked me, you know, what was it like playing on the lead card? What were the jitters like? What were the nerves like? Um, I felt very confident going into that round of I've been playing great practice rounds. I had a great first round, you know, what's different about today. If anything, the weather's nicer, I should be able to put up a better round and I was going to be fine with a few down. I would have loved to shoot another eight. I would have loved to shoot better if I could, but what probably made me the most nervous, I think was the post-production cameras for Jomez and then the live cameras only in the sense of, um, I love playing in front of people. It's a really cool feeling when your name gets called and people clap for you or you make a putt and people clap for you. I think that kind of hypes me up and it's a cool feeling when you're walking down a fairway and someone says, let's go, Nick Carl. Like, it's just, it's a cool thing. And, uh, but unfortunately I just didn't play well. And then it translated also into round three. And so, you know, I dropped myself out of cash and, that was super frustrating. It was very, very disappointing. And I think that's, you know, like I made an Instagram post today and that's what I consider the failure. It's not necessarily, you know, that I made lead card and then didn't stay on the lead card. It was more that it, I made, you know, I was tied for first place after round one and then I ended up dropping out of cash. That's where the failure mindset kind of hit in. And I don't consider myself a failure as a person. I failed in two rounds of disc golf at literally the worst possible timing to fail at, but I have, I still have full confidence in my game. I still have high hopes for 
every single tournament that I go to, it kind of showed me that I'm a better player than I was last year. Um, I have the capability of competing at a top level event on a course such as Waco. I think a course such as Belton, any, most, any of the courses that the tour plays, I think I should have a general chance of being able to shoot well at them. So now it's just looking into the future and I'm trying not to really dwell on what happened last week because, or pretty much what happened yesterday and the day before, because if I do that, it's just going to cripple me going into any other tournaments. And so confidence level, I feel great. I drove out to um, Belton this morning after leaving my Airbnb, got in pretty much a practice round and a half at this point with Paul. We worked on some things for, let's say my throw or like how to throw a certain hole. If I'm playing a certain wind, what kind of dish should I be throwing in that wind? He definitely helped me out with a ton of things like that. And it was just, you know, okay, that's the cool thing about disc golf is that I had two bad days of work, which cost me money, but I get to try to make up for it this week. You know, I have a full another work week ahead of me and now it's just capitalizing on that. So there are so many things we could talk and break down more, but I saw an interesting question in the chat and I think it's relevant. You're, you're, you're in the presence of the goat, as you described him in your Instagram message, which is Paul Macbeth. And did he, about Tom Brady. did he say, yeah, well, that's a whole nother Tom Brady's back, baby, but okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Did Paul say anything to you um, after the completion of your hot round? He said, ah, like you didn't beat me yet kind of a thing. Or did he say anything between that and the next round? Or did he say anything to you during the round? So he messaged me uh, after my round because I, I finished well before he even started and um, the first day. And so he messaged me after he said, great round, man. You're at the top of the leaderboard right now. And then uh, he texted me right after and he was like, you even got a throw in as well. Like, cause he saw my 180 foot throw in on you disc. And then I said, you know, yeah, things just kind of clicked today. It was miserable. Everyone made the joke, you know, must've been nice to play in the morning cause there wasn't any wind. So about 90% of the text messages or people that were talking to me saying great round always had that joke. It, it was still very windy. Um, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't as windy as the afternoon round because it wasn't, or I probably worded that wrong, but it wasn't as windy as the afternoon rounds, but it was still almost just as miserable. I think I just threw the right shot when I needed to, and I didn't go for anything that I didn't think I could go for. Um so then he texts me just saying, pretty much saying, great round, dude. And then uh, it obviously stuck. And so we talked we texted afterwards. Um, I don't really remember, actually. But then the next morning, you know, we talked for a brief moment, probably before the round. And then we didn't, you know, really start talking, I guess, until the round actually started. Like, we weren't texting. I thought about texting him. It's funny. I actually thought about texting him saying, like, what the heck do I do with my day? <laughs> oh, after... After the round, actually, because uh, one of the guys from Jomez needed my phone number, and Paul was the one who told me that they wanted to do a profile on me. So we talked about little stuff like that. Um, but then, excuse me, yeah, the next day, we pretty much started talking when I saw him at the practice field. And then, you know, right before our tea time started, uh, during the round, though, we would casually talk when I think the moment felt right. You know, I, I tried to be respectful of, you know, Hey, we're obviously really, really close friends, but 
we're also competing right now. And I, I know you're competing. I'm competing. So it wasn't like after every single shot, I'm going to go up to him and try to crack a joke. Like, I think there was a certain time and a place for that. Like if we were waiting on a tee pad, we would have more conversation than we would on a fairway. Um, but one of our buddies, Billy was there. And so I got to talk with Billy a lot during the round, which was nice. Cause it kind of, um, I was obviously super frustrated with how that round was going. But one of the things that I wanted to make sure of, cause I'm not, not an angry person. I'm not an angry player when it comes out of playing a tournament. And so I want to make sure that I kept my composure of, you know, Hey, I'm having a rough day. I'm human. I'm not an immortal person when it comes to disc golf. I'm not going to put up a 1075 rated round every single round. Um, I do remember though on hole five, Paul told me, he said, slow down. He said, take an extra five seconds on your putts, take an extra five seconds on your tee pad. He was like, take an extra five seconds on all your throws. He said, you, you may feel like you're rushing right now. He's like, just take your time, slow down a little bit. And uh, that's when I actually went birdie birdie. And then I threw the worst upshot on hole seven, which was very annoying for me. And then hole eight, I got a birdie on it. Um, but anyways, yeah, we, we casually talked and then he, he was lighting up the round. I mean, he started five for five, missed hole six, but then got seven, got eight and, you know, he was killing it. So it was, you know, cool to see, cool to be around. I obviously wish that I was doing the same thing. I wish I was competing like I was on day one, but you know, I'm human. I had a bad round. <laughs> Nick, why, it's why right now I'm a thousand five rated player, not a 1035 rated player. Nick, you, you did something I will never do. And that's not a hot take, but I'm just like, yeah. maybe top 10 dream round. Maybe Evan, I still, Evan came up with a great idea after last week's show, me and him take like play hole one at maple like 10 times or 15 times like just play it a lot and take your best and then go to hole mm -hmm. two and take now granted you could only do about three holes a day before your arm falls off yeah but yeah. just to see if my dream round could potentially get me there because here's the interesting part like maple hill for instance i say only but you only have to shoot like six or seven down per round at maple hill to win and I'm like, mm -hmm. I can get six or seven birdies on gold with my dream round. Every, like, I can do it. So, anyways, that's uh, you missed that show last week. Steve Dodge asked if you could get top 10. I thought you were going to prove me right. I still think yeah. you can. I, I tried. I, I definitely, uh, especially at a tournament like Waco, I mean, I think I, I obviously didn't prove it the second two rounds, but I think I proved it the first round yeah. of, you know, I can, I can put up a 1050, 1060, 1070 rated round. And if you put up three 1050 rounds in a row, more than likely you're top five to top 10. And that was a goal that I had after the first round. It was the ultimate goal is to win the tournament. And then the second kind of tier goal was to stay on the podium. And the third tier was to stay top 10. And unfortunately I did not succeed at any of those goals. And, uh, but it's a learning experience. I think it was a pretty awesome feeling of standing on hole one's tee pad, getting my name called as a co-leader to an elite series event. Uh, I will say there are plenty of pros who have been playing the last five years on the road who still are not able to say that, that they were leading the tournament at one point after round one. Uh, what was really cool for me was that this is the first time that I've ever played a tournament round with Paul Macbeth that wasn't on a feature card. It was actually, I earned a spot to play with Paul on the lead card because in 2018, I won an amateur event. And so they put me on the feature card for MVP Open. But this was the first time that I actually got to, you know, play with him as a competitor, you know, around the same score. Usually I'm getting smoked by 10 or 11 by him after the first round. And 
you know so that was pretty cool well nick i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't ask this question was that a fluke (laughs) (laughs) i knew so someone it's actually really funny you say that because i knew you were gonna ask that uh, someone was someone someone came up to me after uh after the second round and he was like hey man really really love the show can't wait to hear your kind of like talking points on how everything's gonna go down this week yada 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 I said, oh, well, you know, Matt's going to ask the question, was this a fluke or not? And so I already <laughs> thought of an answer is that, no, it is not a fluke. Um, I definitely think I have the capability to do this more often. Uh, it won't be the last time that I'll ever be on a feature or, excuse me, a lead card at an Elite Series event. I think I'm slowly, you know, I'd like to be progressively getting better quicker. But I think I realistically, I slowly am becoming a much better player than I was even last year. And so now it's just putting it together more than one round. Yeah. And uh, Nick knows this. That is totally in jest that I asked him that question. Now, when I asked Ezra yeah. that question, it, it wasn't. It was a real question for Nick. I know yeah. Nick. Yeah, I yeah. know Nick. I've known him. Hey, I handed him his first disc. Like, I know Nick. I have the, I have the, the right to do that to him. Okay. So let's yeah. do this. We're, we're pretty far in here. We're going to actually get to Valerie in just a minute. But what I want to do, we talked about uh, McBeast just a little bit. Um, this right here, ladies and gentlemen, on screen. Oh my goodness! Look at Nick. <laughs> Nick has a bag of jerky too. It is time to snack on some jerky. If you've never tasted um, Double G Craft jerky, you are missing out. No, there's no way around it. I'm pulling out a piece right now of McBeast barbecue style, and I'm giving a handing the bag around. Nice. We're, we're partaking in jerky. While I do this read, this is the best jerky you have out there. Here's what's cool. Garrett Gurthy, pro disc golfer. If you don't know who he is, he comes from a humble background, generous, authentic person. He makes this jerky. It's very unique. It's being, it's used brisket. We talked about this. That's the meat it is, Evan. Brisket. So that's not your typical beef jerky. Um, So people love this. He's been making jerky for 15 years. These are all the questions that Dylan was asking. I went and found out. 15 Mm -hmm. years. They are sending out loads of jerky. They have wholesalers that are buying like anywhere from 100 to 300 packs almost bi-weekly. So, yeah, they're making loads of jerky. Um, So something they want to point out that a lot of people don't know is you can get player packs through Double G Craft Jerky. Now, who doesn't want this in their player pack? (laughs) Is this the most practical player pack item you could get? Yeah, Disc Golf 978, local retailer out here in Massachusetts, they have given it out a few times. I'm a fan. Uh, I think more uh, anyone hosting a tournament absolutely should look into doing that. As an amateur player, I enjoy it. I'm here to snack. Well, they say, I'm reading it right now, but there's seven flavors, but then when it goes to the tournament directors, you've heard from so many tournament directors, and I know as a player, I don't need another disc. I don't need another mini. <laughs> like, I don't need another granola bar. Give me the jerky. But they also have, like, mm-hmm. things like um, hats. They have koozies. They've got um, cooler bags, like those insulated cooler bags. They do have some minis, a cool, you know, the logo on it. Gift cards, etc. That is what I want in a player pack. Reach out to them. Player pack would be so cool to have that in there. Actually, I've experienced that in a player pack. Jerky went right in my bag, pulled it out during the round, immediate return (laughs) on investment. Mm -hmm. And if you're really into it, you can subscribe and they will deliver jerky to your door regularly. 
pick all your flavors, have them come, you know, all the time. So fantastic jerky. Like I eat it on the regular as like snack during work helps me get through the work day. It's, is this not so good? Like right now in my mouth, it is it's, so good. It's like, it's like going to a barbecue place and just getting like a little strip and just dipping it right into the barbecue sauce. Oh like, yeah. I don't know what that's kind like, of barbecue, if it's Texas or Kansas City or Carolina, but mm. it's some kind of barbecue and it tastes like that. Nick, you're eating the um, you're eating the teriyaki or is it the original? I have I have the teriyaki one right now. The barbecue one is still my favorite, and actually I love teriyaki, almost teriyaki anything. The barbecue one though, literally like Evan just said it, it's almost like you're taking a thing of barbecue and just putting it on the piece of beef jerky. Like that's how much flavor there is to it. It's amazing. It's incredible. So that's the McBeast barbecue. That is really excellent. It, it's I think it's my favorite. We'll have to do an actual contest one day. Oh, I'm, and Ben's giving it back to me so I can have the last one because they cleaned out the bag. <laughs> so we're going to have to do a contest on one of these shows where we try each of them and we rate them and we see which one wins out for us. Okay. Let's go ahead and attempt here. Did you Were you able to contact uh, Valerie again? She's ready for us. I'm going to give her a try. She should be. Okay. Let's try adding her in here as I'm chewing down my <laughs> beef jerky. Yeah, right. I'm going to have my last piece. Okay. Um, do 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 getting her lined up. This is the nature of a live show. So Nick, you were there. Mm -hmm. Oh, it says Valerie's unavailable on Skype. We may need to work on this. We'll see. We'll try it again here in a minute. But you were there, Nick. You saw people like Valerie. You saw Paul. You saw all the mm -hmm. players there. Um, I'm not gonna ask who had their head down the most. <laughs> like from like being no, I don't know if it was you. Uh, let's just touch on it real quick. Paul Uliberry made a pretty epic post after round one. Does he win for the head hung the lowest after round one? What do you think? Um, Did you see? Maybe after round one. Uh, yeah, I saw his post and I saw his round. It was horrible, horrible, horrible conditions. Like it was probably, I don't tour full time. I haven't been to every single pro tour like a majority of the pros have. Um, but a lot of them were saying this was the absolute worst round weather-wise that they've ever played in. When it literally came to how cold it was and how windy it was, it was miserable. And for me, the only thing I think for a lot of people that would have made it worse is that if it was windy, or excuse me, if it was that cold and raining, that would have been horrendous. But it was, it was legit really, really bad. <laughs> and you're from new england so that that is saying something and I, yeah well what's funny is that i i did you know i used to play team challenge when i lived up in massachusetts and then down in virginia we did this uh called the blue ridge all-weather tournaments or all-weather league and it's called the brawls anyway so we would play for like six weeks straight you know whatever weather it was during the winter time and for a majority of this year, actually, down in Virginia, it was pretty cold. It wasn't as cold as Massachusetts, I know that, but it was pretty cold. And so what was funny is that, you know, I was wearing my gloves. I was wearing my hand warmers. I had a bunch of layers on. Like, I had two Under Armour shirts, uh, a regular shirt, a sweatshirt, and my hood was up the whole time. And so every single time I had to go to throw, I would take my glove off, wipe down my hands so it didn't feel sticky from any sweat that maybe was accumulating in it. And then uh, I would just throw my shot, layer back up, and try to get behind as many trees as possible to get away from the wind. But it sucked. It it was really miserable. And I'll say this: like it's 
you're disappointed about not making cash and I get it. You had a really good round one, but making cash in an elite series event is just really difficult nowadays. We yeah. say it every single uh, event, but it's just a deep field. And like, I want to read off a couple names who miss cash, not to, not to like point a spotlight on them because they miss cash, but just to say that they're great players who did miss cash. And that's Jeremy Colling, Casey white, Nathan queen who won tour championship last year. Uh, Nick, you tied with Simon Lazat and Ben Calloway, who both missed cash. Uh, Cole mm-hmm. Montgomery, who won this event a couple years back. Corey Ellis, um, Jordan Castro, Silver Lot, Ezra Aderhold, Brody Smith, Tristan Tanner, who just had a fantastic week two weeks ago in Vegas. Um, Paul Uberry, as we mentioned, like there, there's not a shortage of names that miss cash. It's, I mean, Kayla Visca two weeks ago at Vegas has made cash in over 300 straight events and then missed cash just because it is hard to do nowadays. It's, I don't think it's a disappointment. It's, it's maybe a disappointment if it's week after week, but one week, I don't think is a disappointment at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My thing, my thing was, is that in all technicalities, I averaged above my rating, just barely above it. I think I averaged like thousand eight for the weekend, Um, which in any way, shape or form tells me that right now, consistently, I'm still a thousand five, maybe a little bit more rated player. Thousand five is not cutting it on the pro tour anymore. You've got to be shooting 1015 to 1020 if you want a chance at cashing. You got to be shooting 1040 to 1050 if you want to shot at top, top 10. You got to be shooting 1070 to 1080 realistically if you want to win an event. So it's it's getting more and more difficult, which I think is an incredible thing. I don't want you know I don't want life to be easy in regards to that. I want to work my butt off if I'm going to win a tournament. So, yeah, it's it's getting hard, though. On the, um, yeah, it's getting hard. So it's getting hard, but you're doing it, it's I'm stuttering here. <laughs> Evan, give us <laughs> give us some notable stats on the FPO side, if you don't mind, because we're going to just we're just literally about to bring in Alexis. We've got her lined up. Yeah. So uh... Valerie. Oh, sorry. I'll tell you why I said Alexis in just a second. <laughs> yeah. Valerie Mondahanu takes it down. Uh, it's our first elite series victory. She becomes the 12th woman to win a disc golf pro tour elite event. Um, this is also her 23rd FPO win in Texas. So although it's her first elite series, uh, she's done incredibly well in Texas in her home state. Um, and I, I think there's, some other notable things. I mean, Evelina Salonen had the great round one uh, with zero C1X putts made and then goes on to just not quite get her putting form in the rest of the weekend. She ends up finishing ninth. Uh, Paige Pierce had some good, good, uh, I don't know if rounds, but good holes kind of was up and down, was looking like she was making a push. Didn't quite do it. Finished this tied for six. Katrina Allen was tied for 17th going into the last round, made a huge charge. Wasn't enough but finished in third. So incredible finish. It was incredibly exciting. It was a pleasure to watch. It really was a uh, true excitement. In fact, I can hold up a text message. I think where I say right before we bring in Valerie here, let me see. I sent it off to, we have to go back a little ways here, but I want to, I want to read it the way it was in the moment for me. Um, said, um, I thought I would find it quicker. I apologize. It, it summarized. It says on Oh, here it is. Honestly, that approach shot on 17, this is live for Valerie 
was as clutch as it gets and impressive as I've seen. That was my immediate response. And with that, let's bring in Valerie Mandahano. Welcome to the show, Valerie. Uh, congratulations on taking down Waco Annual Charity Open 2022. Uh, tell us about what this means to you. Um, yeah, it means a, a lot to me. Just a lot of different reasons went into it. I mean, obviously we all work hard and I feel like I've been working for like 10 years now, even though it's been like, I don't know, going on eight, I believe. But I've been playing open realistically for like the past two years. So um, not to mention, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people saw this, but I dedicated it to my grandfather who passed away uh, on New Year's. My grandfather was really close to me and he never got to see me win, but he would always cheer for me. And that was one of the biggest like heartbreaks for me was he never got to see me win. And then, so I told myself like, I can't let that happen. Like I can't go another year without winning. Wow. Uh, true inspiration. If that's what's fueling you, I can imagine the rest of the, the field is in trouble this year, but congratulations on that. I'm, we're going to be all over the board with the questions, but coming into hole 17, let's just get to that point because it was such a moment that I think needs to be kind of just its own topic. You had, if I'm not mistaken, it was a two stroke lead at that point, it, it, three strokes. Nevin's given me like, I think it might've just been one stroke, one stroke. Okay. Yeah. So, but you didn't, I don't know. Tell us your mindset. I have my own feelings as watching it. Tell us your mindset there because that to me does not seem like a very high percentage shot. Tell us what your mindset was going into that hole. Um, yeah, like I had one stroke going into it. I just lost two back to back and I actually made a comment to Mason when uh, Kristen threw her putt in for the birdie on 16. I was like, and there goes one stroke only left. And he looks at me and he goes, don't talk that way. He's like, don't be negative. It's 17. Anything can happen. He's like, um, just because you have one stroke doesn't mean you're going to win and it doesn't mean you're going to lose. He's like, if you have that mindset, then that means, yeah, you're going to lose. You're already losing. And so right there in that moment, I was like, okay, you're right. And uh, looking at that shot, I was thinking of the forehand because it's what I practiced. That was the only shot I practiced was the forehand. But then I also saw the wind and I saw how much it was pushing. So it was very sketchy. And the layup alone was just hard. So I was like, okay, well, my thought process was, if I throw the forehand, I might saw it off and be 200 feet short of the basket. OB, you know, playing for the bogey at best. Or I could throw the backhand and hopefully skip by the basket. So then I have like a 30 footer for par. And that was kind of my mindset. I was like, if I hit it, I'll be parked. If I don't, I'll have a putt for par. And Evan can back me up on this one. Is it true that that was the only birdie on 17th that day in the FPO division? Do you know, Valerie? Um, I don't know exactly. I actually just watched the coverage on GK Pro, and that's what Madison was saying is I was the only birdie. So I was pretty surprised right now myself. <laughs> that's pretty sick. Yeah, what a moment. The wind was no joke. Uh, Evan's confirming on the other side, but he has a microphone. He can, he... <laughs> uh, yeah, only birdie. Uh, it averaged uh, 1.32 strokes over par, and it already is a par four, so 5.32 average. So that just added to the whole moment. like. It wasn't that, I don't know, the whole thing put together to me was like, I don't, I'll say it one last time, as clutch as it gets and impressive as I've seen. Was it for the world championship? No, but for you, this was as pivotal a moment as you've ever had. So to you, it was that moment and you executed it. 
Do you feel like that was clutch? Did you feel like, like, I don't remember seeing a fist pump, but maybe someone else was doing it for you. Um, I guess looking at the moment, it wasn't clutch for me. I guess it was just a part of my routine and like shots I knew I can throw. But I guess looking into it now and looking, I guess looking back at it now, seeing how well the shot went, I'd say, yeah, it was pretty clutch. It was perfect timing. I throw a great shot. Mm. And then just coming into 18, you've, what'd you feel going into 18? I thought I saw a little bit of probably like relief at some level, but like, what were your feelings going into 18? Um, honestly, once I tapped out a 17, Owen ran up to me and hugged me and like congratulated me. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's, it's not over yet. Like we still have to play 18. Mm-hmm. Because last year, I think I was in, like, second, and I went, like, 7-6. And so that put me back in, like, 15th. I can't remember the exact, like, placement. But I know it put me pretty far back from where I started that round. And so that's what I remember thinking. And I told myself, I'm not going to let these two holes get the better of me. And so going into 18, I was like, I know it's not over. Like, last year, I think I threw three in the water before I hit the ground. So I was like, um, just get it across, and then it will be over. And I always remember, um, I believe this was Paul, Paul McBeth, saying, it's not over till the last, pu- the last putt falls. So that's always in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you had, yeah, and you, you had just about, I think it was four strokes. I was actually standing on hold. It's funny because, you know, I'm interviewing you as a host of the show, but I also, I've seen you all week. And so, <laughs> like, I've already given you the congratulations. And, you know, we almost lost an earring because I came over and said hello. Yeah, but, um, I, I thought about that before I got on the show. I was like, I haven't put my earring in. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know, do I want to wear those ones? Anyways, um, I was actually on hole one, and I heard the massive roar uh, when 17, when you threw that shot, and then 18, it was like, oh, crap, she has four strokes going into the last hole. And then I could hear, I think I just finished hole one. Maybe it was going to two, maybe halfway down two, but I could actually hear the TD announcing your name. I'm literally sitting out there, like, you know, clapping as someone's putting on hole 13 and I felt bad, but I was like, yo, I got to clap. Like, this is sick. Valerie just won it. And, um, but tell us about kind of just the round in general, like was your game plan to just get the birdies where you think you could get them? Were you more aggressive? Were you more passive on certain holes? How are you feeling just throughout the round in and of itself before the last couple of holes? Um, honestly, I feel like it was like a roller coaster because like the starting out in the round, I was like, I don't want to put pressure on myself because I'd done it in the past and it didn't work out for me. I was like, I just want to go through my strengths. Like, what are my strengths in this round? Like, what am I comfortable with? Like, I want to enjoy disc golf. I don't want it to be like, oh, this is so stressful. Like, you know, I don't want it to be like a round where I just have a headache and I'm like, I don't want to play disc golf. Like, if this is what mm-hmm. winning takes is just to have a headache, then, you know, maybe I don't want to live this dream. But so I always, this year part of my goal is to have fun in my rounds to enjoy them to you know get to know the competitors in which I felt like that was a goal achieved this round like I really enjoyed my um card you know it was one of the best cards yet I'd say we all were you know talking but also cheering each other on and uh going into the round it made it that much easier that much enjoyable so like I think my goal was like on the first hole I was like I want to just land on the green and give myself an opportunity to birdie. I wasn't telling myself like, Oh, I have to get this birdie. I was like, okay, well let's just take it hole by hole, shot by shot. Um, I threw the drive and I was like, okay, I have a birdie opportunity. I think it was like 25 feet. And I was like, all right, you know, worst can happen is I can par, but I know Mm -hmm. I can, my 
I guess, goal in the beginning of the round was just to give myself opportunities to score when I can. And then I, I think going into like the middle of it, I felt like the switch turned where I started birdieing more because in the beginning, I felt like I kind of just wanted this slump of like, I went birdie and then like bogey or something and then like uh, par and then I just kind of part on from there and then kind of switched it to, um, I started birdieing a couple. So then, sorry, my mom's dog is like fussy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I felt like it kind of switched where I started getting this momentum and this groove back again. And I was like, okay. You know, I started uh, telling myself, like, I could birdie this hole or I could birdie that hole. And then Mason helped a lot where he was, like, he was strategizing with me. And then from, like, what I could do to what was the competition doing after that? Like, what were the girls' game plan? Like, I kind of, like, strategized over that because of the win. Like, do I have mm -hmm. to go for this putt or can I just lay it up? Do I have to go for this shot or can I just lay it up? Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm sitting here, and this doesn't happen very often, but I'm, like, and this doesn't happen very often just for anybody, but I'm thinking to myself, I wish I could be like Valerie in disc golf, like me, like that's like to me a disc golf, I don't want to say a hero, that's not the word I'm looking for, but like a, a role model in disc golf. I'm like, I want her form, I want her clutchness, I want like that's me and I think there's a lot of people feeling that. When you tapped out mm -hmm. on 18, they came up to interview you and for some reason the microphone cut out, I didn't catch what you were saying, but I could, I could capture emotion was it in relation to your grandfather or just the moment in general? Can you just give us a little bit of that condensed version? You don't have to give the full speech, but what were you kind of saying? Um, yeah, I mean, in that moment, I'm going to be honest, in 17, I thought about it when I threw that shot. When I walked up to that tree, I thought about it and I was like, I could actually win this. Like, this is really close and it's looking like I could win this. And uh, that was one of the thoughts that popped up into my head where I was like, my grandfather's not going to be here. Like, Every time I'd come back from a tournament, he'd sit in the living room, he was watching TV, or he'd stay up until we got back home. Even if it was 2 o'clock in the morning, he would stay up and he would check the weather to make sure we had a clear drive. So it was like, thinking about it, he wasn't going to be here. And so that was the first thought in my head. I was like, oh, he's not going to be there. And then um, I told myself, I was like, no, he's looking at me right now. I was like, he's going to be there, even if I don't see him. And then that's when it kind of like kicked me into gear. And I was like, no. I'm going to do this like 18. I'm not going to mess up. Like that was one of the things I thought about. So once I tapped in, everything kind of like flooded me. And I was just like explaining how I felt and kind of what really pushed me when moments kind of led in our thoughts kind of creeped up the what ifs and uh, my grandfather kind of overpowered that where I was like, no, I'm not going to, you know, let the what ifs interfere in the goal that I'm setting myself mm -hmm. for. And I kind of just dedicated this win to him. It was my first, uh, win, but it was also my first pro tour with him not being here. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> Anybody else get something in their eye? I, I was sitting here. I'm telling you, this is a moment for me yeah. too. I'm really inspired yeah. and we've had on the best in the world and I'm inspired just as much with this interview and you Valerie than I have been with anybody. Um, and I'm not going to take that back. I, I just want to say, yep. first of all, excellent performance. Nick already broke down every hole that he played. We're not going to ask you to do the same for us, yeah. but uh, people want to know um, a few things. You have a new bag, new sponsor. What disc did you throw on 17 that you felt that confident with? Uh, it was a getaway actually. Okay. Yeah. I think I saw like so many people comment that, but then like every so often there was a couple of comments that said getaway and I started commenting and then I was like, I might as well just make a post about it uh, did later on. 
Describe, okay, so me being a Discraft guy, I actually don't 100% know, uh, with all these companies coming out with new discs, what is a getaway? Is that a mid-range? Is it a fairway? Is it overstable, understable? Kind of give us a little glimpse of it. It's a fairway driver. If I would have to compare it to like, let's say, because I don't really know Discraft plastic, but if I'd have to compare it to something like Innova, I'd say like a beaten Thunderbird. Some people might okay. disagree, some people might say no, but that's what I throw it mainly as. Um, I bag two, actually. I bag a peach one and then that yellow one that I kept throwing. The Very peach cool. one. Oh. Yeah, I think it's always tough, especially, you know, a lot of listeners, they're, you know, diving into new companies, figuring out what they want in their bag. And I think, obviously, watching players win tournaments is huge for those companies as well, because now players are like, oh, what did she throw in 17? Cool, it's a getaway. What kind of plastic was in? What's it potentially fly like? You know, for me, I have no idea what a getaway is until now. Now I have a general idea of to where, okay, this is maybe what it is for Discraft, this is what it is for Innova, yada, yada, yada. So that's awesome. <laughs> and then you you did you did recently switch. I mean, you're a new DD sponsor player. You and Mason both made the switch to DD this year. Um, I guess kind of a big thing we always ask players is, which like, what are your goals for the season? You just want a pro tour event. That's probably a goal that you had in mind was I do want to win an elite series event. And then what were your kind of goals? You know, did you have high expectations switching to a new company or were you kind of like, let's just see how this goes. What's your mindset going into the 2022 season? Um, I mean, I think I, I played an eight, not an eight year, excuse me. Uh, I think it was a beach here right before this. It was a couple of weeks ago. And it was a little bit of the same thing. I was just like, let's see how this goes again. I just wanted to have fun. Um, and I played pretty well there. And so I guess it, I carried it the same attitude uh, through Waco. And I think I'm just going to try to carry that same attitude. That was my goal in the beginning. It was just to, you know, have fun and see how this went, not to put the pressure, because I do want this to be my job for mm-hmm. as possible. Um, and last year, I kind of just felt like I burned myself up because I set all these expectations and goals on myself and I kind of just felt burned out at the end of the season where I was just like don't really want to play anymore and then switching new to a new company kind of gave me that feel back where it was like okay well if I want to perform well I need to go and test these discs like I need to throw them mm-hmm. um so I think going into this year it would at least be obviously if I can to win a couple more events on the pro tour mm-hmm. um and then I have a couple of little smaller goals in mind, but I want to, I'll say it at the end of the year, if we have another uh, <laughs> yeah, meeting, absolutely. I'll wait on that. We'll, we'll, we'll schedule it right now. We'll say November 8th, talk about your smaller goals that you had. And I yep. just picked a random day, but we'll look back on it. November 8th, <laughs> I don't care what day of the week it is, 7 p.m. We're talking about it. Gotcha. I like it. I'll set it in the calendar. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good to me. I'm actually using my calendar now, so I'll, I'll make sure. To put really, it Nick? This is a new a new thing for Nick. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that, Nick. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to share a calendar with you so we can stay on the same page. I want to say this. We have Evan in studio, obviously, and we have Ben, our intern producer in studio. If they have any questions, feel free to ask. We do have the phone lines open. We didn't tell you this, Valerie. I don't know if anyone's going to call in, but we are making that available to any fans watching live right now. If they'd like to ask a question... Um, and then I want to ask this, how comfortable are you feeling with your discs? You had, you know, the off season to, to practice with them. You're, I, I don't want to use the word obviously, but it's apparent that you're throwing them well, woods or not. Do you feel very comfortable at this point? Is that confirmation? Like is disc any excuse for you going forward? Uh, I'd say no, to be honest. Uh, if I'm saying full honesty, no, 
I mean, there's still a couple more drivers where I feel like I could, like, swap out or get to know a little better. But to say, like, oh, this would be the reason why I'm not playing well, no. Okay. That's cool. I think that's a great place to be with a new sponsorship to feel that way. Um, yeah. So I got a question. Yeah. Go. Oh, we got a, we got a call coming in actually. Let's, let's just go ahead and take this, Nick. Take, take that. All right. So we got a live caller here. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. You're on with Valerie and Nick and Matt. What do you got? Hey, Valerie, it's Scott from backstage organics. That's an incredible victory. And I was wanting to ask you about on your Instagram, it says Luke 137. I'm a big, huge fan of that. And what, um, about your spiritual life? I think that's really inspiring. All right. Yeah. Cool. Feel free to stay on or uh, drop off, whichever you prefer. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge follower in Christ. I grew up in, uh, it's kind of tricky, I guess. Um, it's a long story, but I'll kind of cut it as short as possible. Uh, I grew up in, I guess, Pentecostal with my grandmother. I'd go to church, but I also was like baptized Catholic. But I also grew along Pentecostal. But now recently, I, I guess a couple of years ago, I went Christian just because fit my beliefs better. Um, me, Mason, my whole family is pretty much religion of Christ. And I live through Christ daily. I'd like to say I read the Bible five times. But not only that, but I try to like apply it to my life. I don't only, you know, try to like learn God, but I also try to live through God. Like me and Mason has set so many goals or our relationship, uh, you know, through God. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like our relationship is so strong. Wow. That, that's an excellent answer. We actually have another phone call lined up here. Ben, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and bring him in. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. You're on with Valerie. What do you got? Hello. Hello. There you are. You're on. Go ahead and ask your question. I was wondering what the, Hey, my name is Jason from South Carolina. Great job, Valerie. I was wondering what the other pros had to say to you after that win. Um, they were all pretty sweet. Uh, Christian hugged me right away, and she said that she was really impressed with my game and how I handled everything. And then Evelina was super excited for me, along with Owen. Owen was super pumped, and she was, uh, I'm sure you could see if you look back in the footage, she was kind of jumping around, and she was just telling me she was super proud of me. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, f- I feel that too. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick, we cut you off wish- for some calls. What do you got? Yeah. 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 Um, well, you know, clearly Valerie played the same day that I played, you know, day one on Friday. And I say it was one of the worst days ever on tour when it came weather wise. <laughs> you teed off a little bit earlier than I did. Would you kind of agree in that same sense? Like a majority of the people I feel like are saying that, but what, what was it like playing in the disgusting conditions that we had on Friday for you? Um, I think miserable, I'm going to say. Like, mm-hmm. it was probably the worst, you know, conditions we've ever played in, at least myself. Um, yeah, my whole card, we were all, like, pumped to play with each other because we were all, it was some of our first times playing with each other. But during the round, everyone was just kind of like, let's get through this round. Like, you know, great shot. Yeah. or Let me help you find your shot. Like, let's move. And yeah. we honestly finished the front nine within like an hour but the back nine you know mm-hmm. kind of slowed everyone down but yeah, yeah we were all started off you know chatting and then towards the middle we were kind of just like power through and then the end everyone's just kind of like run get off this course it's cold mm-hmm. we don't want yeah so it was it was awful <laughs> it's funny because my reaction is i'm like you must be from texas if this is the <laughs> but that's not to downplay we actually had this conversation before you got on that it was pretty brutal 
um, some people saying exactly the same thing as you. So you're not the only one. Um, I guess one of my last thoughts is winning this event all encapsulates a whole bunch of feelings, a whole bunch of successful storylines for you. One of them being, I would imagine, the field that you went against. This was an elite field. It was contained multiple world titles uh, with Paige being five and Katrina being two plus a whole slew of other players, some who have won this event previously before as well. Uh, what does it mean to you when you think back on it, or you currently are, you're still thinking on it, the players that you were able to compete with and finish better than? Does that mean anything to you? Um, I mean, I feel obviously honored to win this event, knowing like most of the top players were here and I was able to compete with the best. Um, I mean, I think it's it's the start of where I want to be. It, it honestly shows me, like, how much I have improved to be able to compete with the best. So it does show, I guess I, I do, um, it does show a lot for me. You know, I do carry this event highly because everyone was here. So right. it means a lot to me. Right. So what what changed for you from last year? I know last year was kind of like your first touring year. But, like, what changed? Did anything click? I mean, sponsor change has to do something for your mental game, but usually it's not always in the other direction. So, like, what changed? Are you feeling like you're a new new disc golfer? Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like going into last year, I didn't know what to expect. Like, it was first time being on the road. It was, you know, first time playing with everyone. Really, like, okay, this is going to be it. Like, we're going to be playing with everyone for the rest of the year. Like, I went Vegas Memorial, then Waco. And so I think it was a lot of the nerves and not handling everything, the whole change of driving there, driving back, staying in a hotel mm -hmm. before the five to a week. Um, I think all, all, all of that wrapped up was different from my normal lifestyle. And I think going into this year, I know what to expect. I know, you know, what players, how they play, you know, I'd like to think how they play. Um, but I knew more or less now. And going into this year, you know, I felt like I corrected a lot of my form from last year, I felt like I didn't know why I was driving so bad or like why I would grip lock or why I released early. Now I know more or less like, okay, well, this is not working mm -hmm. because you know, my hips are before my arm, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> I'll say it again. I am inspired and I'm going, I, uh, whatever. I, I'm, I'm going to say it too many times. I, I love your form. It's different than any other FPO player out there. And it's just fantastic. It's like what I'm going to try to do. Um, uh, Evan or Ben, do you have anything? No? We're sitting off in the wings. <laughs> um, I was going to say. Nick, any closing uh, thoughts? Seeing you next. What's the, uh, what's the tour life for you? Uh, sorry, I, I didn't. We cut off on that question. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think Skype to Nick, by the way, I think Skype is like trying to like block out background noise for him. So when he's not it like it cuts oh, him that out. Makes so sense. all right, Nick, go yeah. ahead. Um at the next event. You know, what's kind of your schedule for the let's say next two months? Um, so next event will be built in. Uh, we actually just dropped our R V off to the wrap. Um, so we won't get it back until Belton is over. So we'll be driving up Belton. Thursday, Thursday morning, we should be driving up to Belton, playing uh, at least three practice rounds there, and then the tournament will start. Pick the RV up once Belton is done, head to Tyler, Texas for Texas States, then drive to uh, Tennessee for the Music City Open, and then 
I can't remember what tournaments after that, if there is. And I know uh, DDO will be kind of the last of that swing, come back home for like two weeks, and then fly out to like uh, OTB in the next Portland swing. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. Very cool. Well, yeah, so- we... Yeah, we're really glad that you say yes to coming on the Nick and Matt show because we can be like, hey, we had her on before she won. We had her on when she won. And we hope we can have you on again when it makes sense for for you and for us. I mean, we'd love to have you on again. Is there anything that we missed that you'd like to shout out to your fans or anybody else? Any, anything at all? Like whatever it is, your favorite ice cream? No, <laughs> whatever you got. <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't think you guys missed anything. I'll just do a shout out if you guys don't mind to like my fans and um, my sponsors. Go ahead. Do it up. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank everyone for supporting me along the way. Um, I could tell everyone was cheering a lot for me. I'd throw a putt out of the bush and everyone was, you know, cheering. So I appreciate all that. Um, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Dynamic Disc, Lucky Ace, Foundation Disc Golf, and Birdie Few. And then, of course, my family. I'd like to thank for my family for all the support that they uh, give me. Very inspiring. And and by the way, Very Mason, cool. Mason getting his first near the end of last year and you getting yours, it must feel great to be like, <laughs> we're like the Colton and Kona and, and meaning together you guys are both doing it on the road. That's pretty awesome. Uh, congratulations on that. Look forward to more future successes. With that, I will say thank you again. And hopefully, I, mm-hmm. I, what time is it there? Yeah, seven o'clock. Have a great evening. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, Too everybody. That was Valerie Mandahano. Really awesome to have her on the show tonight. I People heard me stuttering. They heard me like being like, uh, I wish I could throw like that a lot. Like That's where I was at with this, and that's just the real feelings coming out, and I think we just lost Nick somehow. So, I'm, uh, I'm still here. Okay, Nick's still here. I'm still here. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. That was pretty awesome. Uh, she throws a disc very impressively, and am I going yeah. out too far in a hot take here to say that like, I know we're the disc golf world and we react really quickly, but man, what she demonstrated did not seem, I didn't ask the flute question because it did not come off that way at all. So no, heck no. is she, is she here to stay? Like is, or is that course just that much up her alley? Like a little well, bit I of think, both, you know, I mean, we've seen Valerie and a lot of different tournaments just never capitalizes and never finishes down the stretch of, the tournament but now we finally saw that she's got it under her belt now where her confidence goes from this point on figuring out her discs even more learning out you know all these new courses last year may have been the first year that she and so now learning the courses she may have potentially already seen a majority of the courses so now it's not you know you're not really playing it blind and so i think that is going to help out a ton of hey i've been to this course before now i just got to figure out what discs i'm gonna throw they were different than last year and let's go out and compete. Um, so I think we're going to see Valerie's name uh, a pretty decent amount. Okay. I forgot to do this, but this is actually one of the benefits of coming on the Nick and Matt show. The guest gets a variety pack of jerky from Double G Craft Jerky. So if you happen to check back in, Valerie, and you saw this, we'll reach out and let her know as well. But if you check back in, you saw that, reach out to Double G Craft Jerky and get yourself a variety pack. They will give it. They will ship it to you for free do that it's awesome thank you for being on the show valerie nick i'm not going to put you on the spot and i'm not going to put the greatest of all time on the spot but if he's nearby would he be down to play a little statter fiction he's out and about right now and so potentially when he gets back okay. i'm going to try to convince him to come on literally by grabbing him just be like statter fiction he loves competing yeah okay exactly 
Um, so then so, we're just going to keep talking then. But when he comes back, yeah, you're just no, no, grab him no. by well, the neck. So I got, I got, I got something to kind of shout out really quick. Um, for a lot of people who follow me on Facebook and Instagram, uh, you would have seen last week that I posted, um, part owner of what is Discara Disc Golf. So Discara, this is our bar stamp version of the hoodie. Re- on the wait, back of it re- is... read Discara? I mean, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So to be an apparel company in the disc golf world uh one of the things that we're specializing in is upf 50 rated solar gear uh so it's really lightweight really durable really flexible to go out in your practice rounds it's also really good for protection from uv rays um that's something that as a disc golfer when you're playing all day every day in the nice hot sun you want to be mindful of protecting your body in any way shape or form and so i think having certain clothing that will allow that it's huge. And so that's something that Discara is specializing in. But then we also have really, really great lifestyle stuff. Like this is just a regular lifestyle hoodie. It's nice and fleece, very comfortable. I think it looks great. It's got the nice bar stamp on it. Um, this one actually has my logo on the back, which will be uh, available on our website soon. And then if any of the people in the chat want to support my touring efforts, um, I still actually have a couple fundraiser discs left on the DiscaraDG.com website. So you can go there. And check out what you want. There should be some zones, nukes, forces, and undertakers left. But want to give a big shout out to Discara DG. They are a huge reason that I'm even available, or excuse me, even able to go out on the road uh, for all that they're doing to help me out. And all that I think is going to be great in the disc golf world when it comes to apparel. So, so where where do I send the invoice for that ad placement? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just you, kidding. You, you know, luckily, luckily, being a part owner of this show gives me uh, I, my own ads when I want. I think. I think uh, the bigger I question. Cool I think the yeah. bigger question is when we get a little Discura uh, goodie bag. Oh yeah, sent out we to need, Matt's house. Yeah, so we need to try the, it on yeah. for next episode. <laughs> Uh, Evan will take a size large. I'll take a size medium. We'll just go around the room. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Nick, I'll talk. We'll we'll have our our people talk to to your people. Yeah. All right. That is really exciting, actually. That's how it's going to work. I'm going to take out my AirPods. Yeah. Hold on. I just froze. Am I back? All right. I'm going to take out my AirPods really quick. Okay. Nick took Uh, out his AirPods. I can still hear him. I think I can still hear you. Yeah. Switch over. Oh, wow. Okay. Surprise, surprise, surprise. So welcome to the show, Paul Macbeth. Uh, Congratulations on your win. This is a surprise visit from you. I'm not prepared for a deep interview, which is great for you. (laughs) But uh, tell us, man, this is your first Pro Tour win of 2022, your second win of the season. How does this one feel? Uh, Most DGPT wins of any player. Um. I mean, it feels good. Are you comparing it to like how's it feel compared to last week, or um, is that what you're kind of asking? Uh, just give. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm trying to leave it open ended, man. So just in general, Disc Golf Pro Tour. You're coming back. This is your first one for the year, though, as far as like Disc Golf Pro Tour is concerned. Are you, any predictions out of you yeah. how the rest of this year is going to go? Oh, I just want to be confident in my game. Uh, and I feel like if I can do that and be that way mentally and, and physically and just be confident in, in my health and where I'm going, uh, yeah, I think, I think it could be a great year. 
this is definitely a good start to it, you know, with Memorial and this one. So winning up both feels great, but, um, you know, like I always say, those past tournaments are going to help me win the next tournament or play well at the next tournament. So it's going to still be hard work. I uh, got down here early to Delton. I already got some practice rounds in and, and looking forward to another event. Okay. The weather on any of the days for the tournament, but specifically day one, is it the worst disc golf weather you've ever played in? Uh, I guess that's subjective. Uh, I definitely played in some some really heavy wind and rain, but I've never played in, in weather that cold before. It's the first time I've ever used hand warmers in a tournament. Um, so uh, that was that was definitely pushing it and how windy it was. Like my face is still still pretty raw from that wind. My lips are all chapped bad, up. chapped yeah. up, cracked. It's just it was it was really bad and and. Uh, I'm still feeling it a little bit today, but it was good to get out. I think uh, we had a lot of wind today as well, so it hasn't changed much from uh, Waco to here. Yeah, it's really windy in Texas, so I'm going to try to come back here one more year next year, and if it's still this windy, I'll probably never play in Texas again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So 33% win rate is the stat that's coming out. I don't remember. Is that thanks to Statmando? Uh, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> okay, we'll give Statmando the credit for that one. Um, Paul, the last hole, there need and it's not worlds, but the last hole comes down, and if if Luke throws it in, <laughs> it's the chance for it to go to a playoff. Were you like anything can happen? Luke's going for it. Let me watch this go in, or did you think? I mean, did you even have any thoughts of that in your mind at all? No, I, I definitely. I think I told Nick. I said I can't handle this again. <laughs> like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to handle it. But I do. I still had a putt this time you know when when conrad threw his in i didn't have a chance to win anymore so this one i knew i saw a chance to win so i wasn't as worried all right well i'm pretty sure your goal is to win by more than one or two each event so you don't have to have that feeling and i'm sure you'll have a few of those um can you give us your I don't care. yeah I don't care how many i went by i okay. just like i just like enjoy winning That's yeah. not how I'll, I'll say this from my point of view um paul texted me mid-round about something i actually can't think of it off the top of my head um, I think maybe, I, I forget what it was. He texted me and I was like, weird. Paul texted me during his round. Things must be going well. So I look at it and he was like six or eight or whatever. He's playing really well on the front nine. And then I didn't, I finished my round up at this point. I didn't go into the woods to go find him because the jinx of Nick Carl for Paul McBeth is still, you know, well, we'd like to say it's dead now. The Carl but, curse yeah. The Carl Carl's curse. We think it's <laughs> maybe lifted, but we're not a hundred percent sure yet. Um, anyway, so I'm standing on 18th fairway and literally I can't watch Luke's shot because I'm so nervous actually that he's going to throw it in and then potentially what happened at Worlds is going to happen. And so I actually looked away at that point, which was like, oh, okay, he didn't make it. I heard that he didn't make it. And then at that point I was like, all right, sweet, Paul won. Now I get to, now we get to say potentially the curse lifted. We'll, we'll see how this week goes. Is it possible that the reverse, the curse was reversed though? So now, like, if you're playing with Paul Nick, is that how it goes? You know, to be honest, I actually, we talked about this on the Nick and Matt show a few weeks ago. Um, I actually thought that I had the advantage playing against Paul. I thought he was <laughs> because of the curse, and it clearly was not that. No. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm genuinely laughing over here. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why that just hit me is super funny. Okay, so um, everyone kept uh, everyone kept 
kept asking. They're like, oh, yeah, go go get Paul. Go intimidate him out there. And I'm like, bro, like, I just want to shoot a couple down right now. Like, I just don't want to make a fool out of myself. And, you know, made a fool out of myself. But it's all good. Okay. I have three. I think I have three questions. One is, Paul, after your round one, you tied for the, the lead with Nick and Luke. Um, they asked you a question about your buddy Nick, and the first thing out of your mouth is, "Well, he doesn't throw far." Some people were, some people were bothered by that, and I know in the world we live, there will always be some who are and some who aren't. I know your relationship, and I know that you know his game pretty well. You were just shooting straight. This is Nick's game, right? There was no diss there. No, I mean, ask him. <laughs> Everything <laughs> said was 100% true. Uh, he also followed up with some of the nicest things he's ever said about me. I think in an interview, it was probably the first time he was ever asked about me in an interview. So I'd like to, you know, say that. But a bunch of people asked me that same question. They're like, yo, is, is Paul dissing you right now? Like, you guys good? And I'm like, dude, I literally throw it maybe 400 on like a good shot right now. Like, I just don't, can't figure out what the heck I'm doing wrong. But uh, when he said that, I actually, I actually texted Paul literally right after. And I was like, literally the first thing you had to say was that I don't throw far. And we were, we were joking about it. But <laughs> he's not wrong. He, he spoke nothing but the truth. It was, it was awesome. Uh, Nick, next time, you know, talking about your distance, just be like, Matt Graham can throw further than me. Just, you know, just, all right. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised sometimes. <laughs> You're cracking me up tonight. Where all these jokes come from? So, Paul, there's two other thoughts on the event itself. It seems that usual forerunners to events. Now, I'm I'm going to call you an exception in some in in a lot of ways here, but usual forerunners don't always perform well at this event. But then you see those who are unproven but have talent show up at this event. What is it about this course? Um, I think I think it's what I don't know how I like. I don't want to say it without like knocking the course, but it's not that challenging of a course like in the sense of the shots that are required they're they're mostly like one shot or two shot like the part fours are really all under 600 feet for the most part so it's not like you're out there throwing hard and trying to control a, a drive or an upshot or like i don't know it, it, it just doesn't seem like it's as challenging as some of the ones especially on the northeast the new england area and some of the other courses we run into like idlewild and such so uh, I think it just kind of leaves the door a little bit more open for a lot of players who are just on to that week rather than um, the most talented, if that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, I just think it's, I just think that's where the course is. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that there's there's room for courses like this and terms like this on, on tour because it does bring a lot more names into the sport and gives a lot more uh, people to talk about, you know, for, for shows like this and all the other podcasts and shows. Um you know, it just gives a lot more to talk about, you know, especially being this early in the year, similar to how Memorial and Vegas are, is they're not clear indicators on how the year is going to go or who's going to be at the top towards the end, but they are very, uh, I guess, I don't want to say clickbaity, but like, I don't know, it gives, it gives you guys a lot to talk about and kind of just leaves a lot open for the year and a lot of speculation on, on how it's going to go. You, you this, yeah. This, you know us very well in the media world. You know we're like Gannon Burr, the next coming of Paul Macbeth. Like I mean, like it's it's all this. What's happening to Paige Pierce? Is this person gonna like? It, we're there. We get it, and you're nailing it right on the head. I will just say you. I think you alluded to this, but this type of course, 
do you like it on the tour? Should there be more? Is it the right amount? Is this the only course like that? What's another course that stands out to you like this? I think typically after the Texas swing is when it kind of goes away. Okay. Uh, I think that's kind of where it, where it kind of starts to, to disappear a little bit. Uh, but, but no, I think it's good. I think it brings excitement for the year and it gets a lot of new faces, you know, in the headlines and, and kind of gets fans out there rooting for a lot of people they might not be rooting for the year before for their entire you know, fandom of disc golf and however long that's been. So, um, yeah, it is really good and really cool. But uh, yeah, I think after Texas is when I'll kind of start. You'll, you'll start to see people uh, who may have showed up earlier in the year stick there, or you might see them start to fall down. But then you'll start to see some familiar names. And in my opinion, I think that's how they'll go down. Okay, I'm putting my last question into two because I'm Matt Graham. It is one. It's about your putt. How good is that putt feeling? And then the second one, unrelated altogether. Were you surprised and impressed by Luke Humphreys or? Were you expecting that? Uh, putt feels great, uh, especially in the circle. Feels really good. Feels really confident. I feel like I finally uh, figured out the touch part of it and kind of what I've been been missing. I feel like I've been trying to force the disc in there and trying to just like shove it into the basket to where I really just need to trust myself and, and know my body. I've been doing this for years, so I just need to trust it. Uh, outside the circle, obviously, needs a little bit more work. Uh, but that's just going to take time. I haven't really been focusing on that as much. I, I think the inside of circles is a big thing I needed to work on. And um, there was actually Luke Humphrey's forehand really surprised me. Um, his upshot, anytime he pulled out the forehand, I feel like he knew where it was going, especially with that that mid-range he was throwing. Um, I don't know what just that was, but whatever he was throwing there, anytime he pulled that out, I knew it was going to be really close to the basket. His forehand with the driver wasn't as dialed in, but still you know, 90% of the time it was going to be a great shot. So uh, that was the most impressive part to me um, with his game. His putting is very, very solid too, but I've, I've never really watched him play. Okay. Uh, do you want to play a game with us, stat or fiction? Do you have time for that? It's a three-question game. Sure, why not? <laughs> He's like, if I say no, it's going to be awkward. Uh, we, we stat got or fiction presented by Stat Mando. As we get into stat or fiction, it's prevented by st- presented by Stat Mando, but I do want to give this product, Nick, uh, this product right here, I'm pulling it up. It's a little black container with wax in it. Thanks to Paul Macbeth. No, he started this journey of like, hey, check out grip enhancers in the off season. And we have DG Max Wax providing a product to the Nick and Matt show that we want everybody to know about. It is a grip enhancer. I used it during a rainy and cold round and almost Nick, I don't know if you had it with you. You probably left it at home, but I tried this out in the cold and rain. And I'll tell you what, you get just the right amount on your fingers. It didn't matter that it was raining. I was able to grip the disc. It was fantastic. This guy is working really hard to get this product out there. Uh, Paul, you don't have to talk about the product unless you've had experience with it, but is spinning the disc faster going to help improve? I mean, all things considered, spinning the disc faster is going to help somebody throw further right i mean is that how it works <laughs> yeah scientifically okay paul agrees everybody <laughs> that scientifically it says that this product helps me spin the disc faster um in the rain no matter the conditions so it smells good nick is that your favorite part the chapstick bottle yeah. actually i i actually love the smell of it i think it smells great 
He's like, go out and buy it just for the smell. I have a lot of people reaching out, tagging us, saying they went out and tried the product and they are loving it. I can't speak highly enough about it. Um, it's PDGA tournament legal grip enhancer. You don't have to get rid of your birdie bags. This is in addition to drying your hands. Now you can have extra grip. Maximize your disc golf game. Pick up some at DG Max Wax. Because you're a listener of the Nick and Matt show, use code Nick and Matt and you get 10% off your entire order. Do it now. If you find the product in a local pro shop, I don't know, still tag us. Tag DG Max Wax and say thanks, Nick and Matt, so they know that you are supporting them through our show. We appreciate it. Okay, Evan, what do you got for us, stat or fiction? I, I just got a quick stat just to throw in before we start, and that's Wago kind of gets a rap of having crazy winners and kind of unique winners, but on the MPO side, since it became a Disc Golf Pro Tour event in 2017, every winner but one has won a major. Uh, Paul's won twice. Jeremy Colling won the first two in 2017, 2018. Nico won last year. Colt Montgomery's the only one, and that was the shortened year when it was just two rounds. Uh, I, not that it can't still have craziness, but I, I it's just kind of interesting how we kind of write those narratives. Uh, but hopping into it, today is uh, actually Pi Day. Um, if you know what that oh, is, yeah. the the math term Pi. Um, not necessarily the uh, the tasty dessert. Um, so I got a question. Hope, bear with me. It might be a little confusing to word out, but it's a cool uh, pie question. Is A player has had an average place through a whole Disc Golf Pro Tour season um, averaging less than the value of pie 17 times. So your average finish for the entire Disc Golf Pro Tour season, less than the value of pie, that amount has happened 17 times in both MPO and FPO. Who, who are we talking about? Just anyone, like a season. Like Paul McBeth says, 2019 was very good. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that was less than the value of pie. Okay, okay. So that's what I'm trying to get so the at. Stat, so the fiction, stat or be- fiction is it has happened 17 times. Yeah. Ooh. So it, just giving you a number already. In a season, like in a year. Uh, yeah, since 2016. Say that again. Is there a minimum of amount of tournaments? Oh, yes, very good point. I did a minimum of four. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna put Nick up first. I'll go second, and Paul can go last. I'll go fiction. Okay, um, I'm saying stat. I guess I'm gonna go stat as well because I feel like 17 is such a that number is for a reason. <laughs> uh, it is a stat. And yeah, you're kind of right. Uh, 17 just is right. So that's why I chose it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say notably, uh, Sarah Hokum in 2020, her average place was 3.1429. So just barely under the value of pi. Wait, no, that's over. Oh my goodness. No, I messed nine. up, guys. It's 3.14159. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So oh, Nick man. gets in so point. I, <laughs> hey. If he said fiction, I would have said fiction. I'm just, I mean, I would have I mean, just saying. I said fiction. <laughs> you know how this game originated? Because, oh, man. listen, Paul, if you heard the story, he, cu- he called out how much you made at Ledgestone over, like, the course of the event. And he said some yeah. astronomical, like, you've made $100,000 at Ledgestone. And we're sitting here on the show like, that is incredible. Like, we're losing our minds. And then later he's like, 
oh, that that wasn't a real stat. <laughs> so that's where this whole segment came from. Okay. With that out of the way, I, that's a wash. Uh, it's a wash. That's, we both get everyone a point. gets a point except for me. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'll fully admit, I I had this wrong earlier because I was talking to some people trying to come up with stats. I had Pi as three point one four five nine, but it's one five nine. So that's why this one showed up. And I just thought it was cool that I was so close, and now I'm realizing I'm wrong. All right, give us number so, two. My apologies. We're ditching all the Pi talk. Uh, March Madness is starting this week. Selection Sunday was yesterday. So I got one that's kind of related. Um, there have been more PDGA pro world champions uh, in total, counting their wins from Texas and MPO and FPO than March Madness winners from Texas, as in the schools from Texas. And that's men and women's as well. <laughs> this is so far out for me. I'm not like into that as much. So uh, but, Paige Pierce is from Texas. Okay. Yes. She has won worlds five times. So there's been at least five winners from texas men and women so now think of all the other times that a texas winner has happened in any of pdga open division. pro worlds oh pro world okay yeah sorry if this is confusing i'm trying to have it be fun for march madness being this week <laughs> this is fine um i'm up first then paul then nick so I, total wins yep. in pro worlds yep. and you gave from us PDGA players pierce from texas already. pga yep. pierce i said is more than the total wins from schools from texas uh march madness right. play like right. tournament like, sorry, final victory. I'm making this way more confusing than it is. I'm sorry. That's okay. But if it makes sense, if not, you're, ask me. You're doing only, only men's? Uh, men no, and women's for both Pro Worlds and March Madness. And it's March Madness Championship. It's not mm. just a win in the tournament. And it's a total. So if we're doing MPO and FPO, it would be total. So we know Paige has five. And I'm thinking of the other Texas players. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot of this out loud. Um, so the stat or fiction is there's more in disc golf essentially than March Madness. Oh, there is. Yes, stat. I'm saying there's fewer PDJ World titles in Texas. So what is that? That is. Uh... So that's fiction. Okay. Yep. Fiction. I'd go. Ooh. I'll go fiction as well. <laughs> Good job, Nick. All right. This is a stat. Uh, it's a very close. Uh, there has been nine total pro world championships from players from Texas. That's Becky Powell, uh, three from Des Redding, and five from Paige Pierce. No, I almost asked you where Des Redding was. She's from Iowa. Oh, I was going off player, PDGA player page. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on. Drop the this is not going I well. Say that too. So I almost that's asked you, I was like, a, no, that's a great point. Yeah. Because her and Jordan, I think, are from the same like same area. Yeah. And they're both. No, you're absolutely. She is from Iowa. But I. So this is the tough thing about doing locations Jay, for disc golf. I think Jay's. Her, yeah, because her location right now is in Texas. If you go to like the Wikipedia page for PGA Pro Worlds, it has Des Redding is listed from Texas. <sighs> That's what I was going off yeah. of. Like, Paul, you're still listed from California. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Oh, but right. Tough. But that's a fair question. Like, I would say when Paul won, I would say most of your worlds are from California. No, I've never like I, I've never lived in California when I won a pro okay. world. Okay. But I'm from California. 
<laughs> yeah, so it, 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 it I'm from California. Yeah, Paul and Des are kind of okay. treating it the opposite, where okay. Paul's still saying where he's from, Huntington Beach, and Des is now yeah. where she's located in Texas. Okay. Well, to be yeah, I, I look at it like where I'm from versus where I live. Yeah, yes. got it. Um, I was thinking Des in my head, and I knew Paige, so I was I was up to eight in my head, and that's what I went off of, and I said it's a pretty good number. So. I, that's another points for both. I think Ben did that. There we go. So we're tied again. Oh my goodness! Is if we take Des off of that list, you said there's six of them now. Yeah. So it would go, well, the, yeah. It let would me be tied. Let me cover the no. It would it would go in favor of fiction, as in uh, March Madness would have more. So I'll, I'll go over those real quick, just because it is interesting. Baylor won last year in men's. Uh, Texas Western won in 1966. And then on the women's side, Baylor has won three times, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, and University of Texas. How many times has Baylor's women's won? Three ever? times. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it must be Texas Western from yeah. the Glory Road. Yeah. yeah, Texas Western's on the men's side in 1966. All right, this question. So, interesting, just... This question is a big one here. Let's see what we can do. The the game now the game now is is this question a stat or fiction about stat or fiction? Yeah, right. <laughs> you I, to say, I just like, gotta that's... like scrap everything and go super simple because yeah, this is really. This is uh yeah I'm zero for two so far. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So let's let's cross our fingers on this one. Uh, since Valerie Mandujano started playing FPO in February of 2018. She has won the most FPO tournaments in the state of Texas. Okay, we're back to Texas. This is her wins in Texas, not that she's from Texas. All right. This Paul, is the event being in Texas, regardless of what the player lists on their okay. PGA profile. And Paul, you are up. Okay, so you're saying Valerie Mandahano's won more tournaments in Texas than any other female? Yes, since, since the start of 2018. Since 2018, yes. Stat. Oh. Oh, Nick here. FPO? FPO, yep. Yeah. Stat. Well, because he said it so confidently, I, I know there's a record being kept of all of our stats. Oh. Uh, if he's that confident. But now, that, look at I can see them on camera. They're, like, talking back and forth. Like, is this right or wrong? And the way he asked, he said, like, wait, FPO? And he said, yeah. And then he thought about it a second. He's like, oh, okay. He wasn't as sure. But I, I'm going to have to go off of that. I'm going to have to say, yes, she lives there. She's played MPO for a while. I'm going to say stat. We're going to have a tiebreaker either way. <laughs> All right. Um, uh -oh. This is fiction. Oh. And I knew going into it that there's going to be qualifiers. We Playoffs, here we but go. But <laughs> it is absolutely true. But it's a great discussion for how we consider wins. Okay. Um, there is a player named Amanda Hart who has 38 FPO wins since the start of 2018. Only six of those come with someone else in the field, oh. though. I knew that was going to be the case of it. I knew there was going to be someone in a random part of Texas winning tournaments with zero players at it. Yeah, so... Uh, it is that a winner, or is that first place? As the PDGA records it, it is a win. Okay. It counts on their profile. They got a first place. I'm just counting up how many first place they have. <laughs> oh, man. Now... No. If you're actually saying it, like, was it truly a win? Like, I, one, Amanda can only play against the people that show up. Yes. Like, no one else showed up. It's not her fault. No offense to her. No Unless offense she's to her. there, you yep. know, yep. actively telling people not to play. I don't think that's the case. Is that counting leagues and flex starts? Uh, it'll count all of those, yes. Ooh. So it could be a flex start with, well, no, sorry, not leagues. But it will count flex starts or any other, like, C-tier 
that could just be one round on a random Friday or something. I don't know. <laughs> so we're going to, what we're going to do. And when Paul's time is done here, we're going to actually go to stat Mando's website and find some really good stats because their website is actually incredibly epic. I was browsing it today. They were telling me to check out a few things. It's actually really incredible. Um, Nick, it's actually really, it is really incredible. You'll have to check it out too, but okay. uh, give us, give us our tiebreaker here. All right. Didn't you guys just drop stuff today too, or yesterday? We just dropped a ton of. Well, we kind of had a soft release. Some some people might have found it, but we just announced today we had a ton of new stuff. We have our rankings up. We have the official rankings. We have a thing called the people's rankings, which is kind of fun. And then we took over Steve Dodge's DG rankings. Uh, so we're calculating it now for him. Uh, and then we dropped uh, kind of a recap. Uh, we'll get to all this later too. A recap of the week and all PDG events. So you can see how many total events, how many total players by state by division. Um, and then also kind of a module called stat zone where we just kind of dumped a bunch of ideas we had. Um, and so like, if you want to see who's won the most majors of all time uh, or how someone averages in majors and a table of all of them together by division, you can go look at that now. It's, or it's a library. Like I'm, I was a little <laughs> bit blown away and I'm going to spend more time with it. Um, so we have the up against Nick and I, I'm 13 and 0. Uh, oh, the head to heads. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Okay, I'm trying to think of a good tiebreaker, and I do know of this. Um, what is Paul rank? <laughs> so uh, Paul just five. took over first, yes, this week. Yeah. Am I ranked? Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, the question. <laughs> Paul looked it up. <laughs> that could be, look that up. Can we do the okay. over under? Over under on Paul uh, Nick's stat, uh, stat Mando official rank. Have you seen yeah. him, Matt? No. Okay, we can do. Have uh, you seen or, it, Nick? Maybe not over under, but just. I, I have not seen it. Guess really Nick's Stat Mando official rank. This is. But all... Paul, Paul, do you know it? No, I didn't look it up. Okay, okay. So I say whoever's the closest wins. All right. Uh, how many do you list, just out of curiosity? 100? Oh, like it's thousands. Oh, thousands. Yeah, it's, it's at least anyone who played oh, in the Elite crap. Series or. Uh, I'm going to major event okay. last year. Then Nick is listed as 123. One, two, three. Uh, Paul, what do you got? 114. Oh, he's going the under. I was going to. Well, all right. You know what? I'm going to give myself credit. I think I'm 96. <laughs> all right. Uh, I need the first two again. What was yours, Matt? 123. And then Paul went under? One. One four. Yeah, okay. Matt, it is you. Uh, Nick, I have no bias in this, but unfortunately, you are ranked 211. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know. I, whoever's doing these is but, full of crap. But, <laughs> but hold on. I'm going, hold on. I didn't put any, I didn't hold put on. any European. You moved part, up part, eight uh, spots. So you were 219th before this week. <laughs> i'm sorry like that that's very incredible too so uh and i will say on dg rankings you are 104th so somewhere in between your and paul's guess would have been it but this was stat mando official rankings i said that before we were going right you okay. did so but yeah how the stat so I, I think the last time so i got a random tour rank from the pdga which I don't really know how they calculate it. And it says I'm 82nd, which I'm curious if that's going to go up or down. I don't know when that moves. Um, but I think on UDISC at one point, I was like 112. And then... You don't have a ranking on UDISC. No, not anymore. From last year. Yeah, from last year. Oh, um, 
No, um, he he is. Okay, it says new Udisc rankings right now. It says new next to his name. I just looked, and guess what he's at? 127. 127. Oh. I would have got it, I, and I had no clue. So, anyways, that was really fun. I don't feel good about the win <laughs> at all. Um, and I will say this, Paul, uh, put this up here. You can see it's really small. McBeast barbecue-style jerky. We love that here on the Nick and Matt Show. In fact, because you're a guest tonight on the Nick and Matt Show, reach out to Double G. They'll send you a variety pack of jerky. <laughs> so, but, okay. No, but in all seriousness, um, do you carry around this jerky, like, fairly often? I mean, it's one of the, your brand's names on there. Oh, yeah, they'll give me some whenever I want. I don't have any with me now. Tour just started, but now Nick, that I have the RV, I'm sure. Nick, Nick might have some. He gave me the teriyaki okay. that I was eating earlier. He gave me that today. Oh, I did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they gave it to him Memorial, I think. Well, <laughs> if, if you'd be so kind, Paul, to reach out next time when you're asking for your allotment of jerky and say, the Nick and Matt show sent me. We, we'll yeah, take us okay. to the moon, to the moon. All right. Um, Paul, we really appreciate your time. It's always truly appreciated, and we're really excited to watch how it goes out there. Um, great Thanks. success to you. Um, Nick, what are you going to do? Push them, push them out now? Is that how this goes? Oh, well, no. Well, I was going to say, have, have you guys ever seen the movie Fast and Furious? Yes. With Ben uh, and Paul Walker? So <clears throat> when Paul was accepting his trophy, I, you know, was sitting in my head. I'm, I'm acting as Paul Walker right now where I was like, oh, dude, I almost had you. I almost had you. And then Vin Diesel goes, you didn't almost have me. Like, get the heck out of here. So it was just funny. That's, that's what I thought the other day. And then at one point I was like, you know what? I was tied. At one point I was tied for one hole. And uh, so that was pretty cool. Do, do but, you know um, how many times you guys have YouTubing, uh, Nick and Paul, how many YouTube have? in the same round you have played, have tied your scores? Like uh, an Elite Series event? I, I did all events. Any event you guys have played together, how many times have you gotten the same score? There's been, it's twice now. Ooh, I think it's three. I don't have the query in front of me, so I'll have to check it later. But I think well, that was the third time. He thinks it's three, but can we <laughs> really trust? <laughs> it's not been my day, so. I uh, when third time. I don't have it in front of me, so I I was thinking about bringing it up earlier, but so round three at Vegas last year, we both tied the same round. That was definitely one of them. (sighs) Because I'm pretty sure back then that was my highest rated round, and Paul said your highest rated round is my below average round. Yeah, (laughs) they were both under 1040. I think that one was in the 1030s, (laughs) and the other one was in the 1010s. I think it was 1038 rated. Yeah, the other one was in the 1010s. I can't remember what event it was. That's something Nick says, and then has me agree with it, and then says that I said it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. It was probably something like that. I, I probably did say that to like crap on myself, but I felt great. I mean, it was great. I really want to know what the other time would have been. I, I'll because... look it up when I get home. It'll be a little uh, post-show exclusive, I guess. I. Oh. Well, he has entered a club, Paul. He's the 300th person to get that 170, uh, 1,070 rated or better. So I told him to make a shirt and make some money off of it. 300th person. Uh, there's over 1,200 times it's been shot because players like you have done it 161 times. Yeah. So there's 300. <laughs> I don't know. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, just- 
you can't because I got 150. No, uh, Ricky's over 100. Oh, 12. Okay, so 1,200. Okay. Yeah, for 1070s, Paul has the most. Ricky's over 100 as well. Uh, Felberg's third. He's like in the 80s, something, 90s, something. We're just over here cracking up. That is a clip I need to take for the show just to have on my phone. Nick looking over and going, because people like you, like it's just, that was classic. Okay. This was one of the most lighthearted, good feeling shows I've ever had with Valerie. Now the laughing with Paul. Again, we're going to let you go. You can hang out. We have other topics, but I'm sure you're busy. So we'll let you go. All right, see you guys. All right, peace out, Paul. All right, Nick, I want you to fill in that. I, laughter does a heart good. Laughter is medicine for the soul, and that was a moment. And I know when Ben, producer Ben, starts laughing, it's funny, and Evan was laughing. It was, Nick, that yeah. struck us very funny on this side. Okay. I have some good, questions I'm, I'm for glad. you and your opinion, and everybody. Ben, I want your opinion. Evan, this is an open free-for-all for the last closeout of topics here. Number one. And we don't need to elaborate this a lot. How impressed are you that a 16-year-old, I know this is coming off of, we already saw LVC, but a 16-year-old, when it comes to ratings, which means his average performance, if you will, I know some are going to say that's not how it works, but I'm giving you the generalized. He's 11th highest in the world at 16. Uh, is it cool to see like a 14-year-old, 15-year-old one day playing out there? Is that cool? Or should the pro tour be like limited to age above certain division. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you feel about that? Let anybody and anybody, if they can play it, they can do it. I, I think it's awesome. I think there's a lot of sports that feature young players. I mean, we like football and baseball are generally a little older, but think about the NBA, LeBron James at even like 16 and 17 was already NBA worthy. And he joined when he was 18. Um, then soccer, you have kids who are like 15 and 16 breaking the first team and playing like top level soccer when they're a teenager. Uh, it's really cool to see that. And I don't think it's totally unique to disc golf, but it's cool to see disc golf getting into that where teenagers can excel. I agree. I think teenagers should. Ben, do you like that? Yeah. 100% agree. I think um, if you have the capability to keep up with the top pros, there's no point to be restricted because then you'll just be crushing teenagers by like 30 strokes or whatever <laughs> it may be, whatever sport. Right. Okay, Nick, you were at this Pro Tour event. There was some talk. I think it was in the live broadcast at camp once or twice. You're on the ground there, Nick Nick Carl reporting live. Um, what what are these new security, quote-unquote, efforts that are being implemented there? You were on a lead card, so I feel like you might have experienced it more than anybody. Um, is there areas that are now totally blocked off to fans where you can go as a player and not be bothered? Yeah, the uh, player warm-up zone where they had the driving nets set up was, and especially where Seth Muncy's disc golf strong area is, was completely blocked off from the spectators. The putting green that was by hole one, spectators were walking around it. They had vending going on from the Pro Tour tent, but I think there was an area by hole 17's tee pad that was specifically for players and spectators couldn't enter near that area. Um, I actually didn't know that till the final day. Not that it bothered me. I mean, I was putting with a bunch of the pros. Uh, we were all just putting by whole one's tee pad. So there wasn't any issue. But there was definitely more areas that, in the past, spectators have through a sense where they shouldn't. Uh, so, yeah, I would say there was more security in that regards. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what they were alluding to. I'll have to look into that some more. But it was just the idea yeah. of like with the growth of the sport this year, they're implementing some more security measures. And yeah. just curious what that might look like. I know all these events think, now are selling tickets too, so they, that's a whole yeah. new level. Yeah, I think uh, certain certain events are going to sell more than other events, especially ones that are way more spectator friendly than Waco is uh, when it comes to actually being able to walk throughout the course. Um, so yeah, it'll just be event to event. I'm curious to see what they do about it. I, I had no issues. I mean, okay. Every single time I, you know, would pick up my bag after throwing a shot, it was, you know, spectators hold for the players in the media to walk through. And yeah, it was awesome. We had a ton of volunteers. I mean, shout out to the tournament director it was awesome. The guys announcing the cards were awesome. The volunteers were incredible. Uh, I bad to say course looked great it was actually cleaned up than in years past and uh all in all i mean i, I had a phenomenal time in mm. waco this last week so, so tell us about uh, t- tell us about the upside down trash barrels under the basket oh it's like their new way of yeah i think those are really oh they, um, it, i think youtube just bleeped you as soon as you said <laughs> the word that they were it just cut you off i, I am interested yeah. in your perspective i i was being hyper hyperbolic is that a word Hi, yeah. i was using hyperbole and saying the upside down trash barrels i yeah. personally don't like the way they look but you were there and yeah. we're not trying I, to I, rat I, on it who cares what they use but my point is to yeah. your personal yeah. opinion did you like them yeah no i thought they looked kind of tacky okay uh I don't think they look phenomenal. I think there's plenty of other ways that you can show off whatever person is sponsoring that hole. Um, I like the koozies. I, I like the basket koozies. So, like those look super clean to me. Think, think about the koozies. And I've seen this from, I haven't personally experienced it, but I've seen people experience it. If you hit that koozie on an upshot, a drive, or if your putt's low and you hit that koozie, Dude, 90% of the time, that thing is rolling right after. For some odd reason, the way it hits it, it just spins right off, and it freaking rolls. Um, so you'll see a ton of people complain in regards to the koozies when it comes to that. But uh, I personally never had that happen to me. It's probably going to happen to me at Bellin because I said that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. What about the trash barrels? Like, I think I saw Paul hit one low on the final round like almost acing and it didn't i mean like they make a loud gong yeah it makes a loud gong it's just kind of like it looks like an upside down trash barrel i mean i hit one (laughs) was it an upside down trash barrel (laughs) actually what it is it's literally just a piece of plastic that's circular and i don't know all right it's hey they're freaking right every year they improve something yeah and maybe that's next year's improvement they get a better way to do the advertisement on that I, i i don't know Oh, I, I trust I trust Jeff Spring. I, I honestly feel like they didn't do it on every hole and they're feeling it out and they're getting advertising. I have actually nothing bad to say about the attempts at it yeah. at all. I just personally don't yeah. like the way it looks. Evan, uh, what do you got? Yeah, I'll jump You'll in. See, and, uh, I mean oh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just I, I genuinely like Waco. I think it's a I think it's a good course. I know Macbeth kind of has his, you know, not bad words about it, but not great words. I, I don't know how to say that. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but um I generally like it. But I think that course could use like some visual updates. I, it definitely seems like they just walked onto a park, threw up all their stuff, and then played an event. 
which I guess is what they do. That sounds kind of silly now that I say it out loud, but I think it could use more like mulch and kind of gardening, if that makes sense. Like just kind of make it look a little bit nicer. Did you tweet about that, right? Yeah, I said this course could, you know that video where it's that that woman saying that boy needs some milk? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of doing it like that. That that course needs some okay. mulch. <laughs> Good. Okay. I, I, thought, I thought that was you who tweeted it because I, I just want to make sure because I remember reading a tweet and I could remember 100% if it was you. Yeah, I think but, that um, course could use yeah, some mulch. I guess uh, yeah, I guess full spark to it. I really enjoy the course. I think it's very fun to play. I think there are some great holes at it. I think there are some kind of black holes at it. Like, I hate, for some odd reason, hole eight at that course. I don't think that that is a top pro caliber hole. But at the same time, I only deuced it one round, and it's the shortest hole in the course. So that's kind of frustrating. But... um. It's a fun course to play and great tournament. When it comes to smoothness of it, I've actually had a blast every single year that I've gone. I've consistently gotten a little bit. No, that's a lie. I think the first year I did better than the second year, but then this year I did better than both years. For some odd reason, this course has a way of kicking my ass. And uh, so next year's revenge tour when it comes back to it. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be back. Hey, while you were playing that event, I was playing Team Challenge. Uh, You know, the team that you're on. We totally destroyed them because you weren't there. It's all your fault. We we wiped them yeah. out. So, it, and they're gonna claim that I it was heard. penalty points because you weren't there. They didn't have enough players to field the event. But honestly, that doesn't matter. We we clean you guys up. <laughs> I'll tell you this: if if me, Casey, and Marky were still on that team, it would be completely different than what it is right now. But uh, unfortunately, all three of us are touring around. Oh so, uh, yeah, touring around, but didn't get cash. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, i'm totally joking i know hey, you guys would tear it up I, as dude, someone who could dude, never dude. beat you in my life i gotta throw shade somehow yeah. you know no nah, nah, i know i know okay nah, it's getting tough out there man i mean you gotta you gotta play great all three rounds all four rounds and you know yeah tournament's different it's it's really really fun to see it, it's funny i scored very well in the worst conditions and then two of the days that it was definitely better conditions to score in i didn't score well it's it's disc golf is wild okay and and to be fair nick i did that one because i'm your friend i called out that match because it was a rivalry those are two home teams and i did that but also i have people messaging me telling me to rub it into nick so i was like okay i'll do it 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 doesn't it doesn't hurt as much right now because i'm (laughs) not there i'll tell you this and you were wait 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 and you i'll say it for you you were lead card at a pro tour event like who cares what's happening team challenge Uh, I'll I'll tell you this. If I was there, I wouldn't have lost a single point that day. So, Nick, and a sec- second Take question. That. Second question. Are you huh? wearing pants? I'm wearing shorts. Remember Jeremy calling in this question, like two seasons ago. He's like, "In my final truth, remember two truths and a lie." And he's like, "Am I yeah. wearing pants?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, that's what it was. I was I was wondering. I was just like, wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, sorry. No, I'm, People I'm that have been around a while will remember that. They'll be like, oh, I remember that. But that was a long time ago. Two, we got to bring back two truths and a lie. Nick, here's, okay, yeah. in all seriousness, the, the events that you're at, we, you need to take your iPhone and go get people to give you two truths and a lie. We'll create a library of them and we'll use them going forward. It'd be yeah. awesome. I can do that. Absolutely. Now that we awesome. have uh, Evan and Ben, I can send it to them. And yeah. then you won't know all the yeah. answers. Send it to oh, Ben. I, yeah. Definitely. We'll hook that up. Okay. Cool. Uh, in wrapping up here, you see, you see Mesmera. <laughs> like, 
the dude was entrepreneur of the year in Finland. Like that's a massive achievement. And it's for disc golf. Like disc golf is here where you're getting accolades and credit for doing some really cool things. So good for you. See, um, Nick, you weren't here last week. Not going to go through the whole show, but I will tell you, I just spent all of the Nick and Matt show funds to do a giveaway. And the giveaway, for those who are still on here, Nick and I are going to figure out how to do it. But we're going to give you a VIP experience to the final playoff event of the Disc Golf Pro Tour at Maple Hill. You're going to get the VIP treatment, including all the days, gold tickets, VIP parking. And Nick and I are going to come up with some more. We'll probably get to hang out with Nick. Not me. That wouldn't be VIP. You can hang out. <laughs> it would be VIP. Okay. It's coming from the Nick and Matt show. I'm honestly thinking too, Nick. And we can talk this out loud. People can let us know what they think would be awesome. But like when we do our live studio interviews during that week, maybe they could come and be a part and get the VIP experience being in studio with that. So like, we're going to build this. We have to figure out a way to do the giveaway. And mm -hmm. I think we might have Stat Mando make a quiz. And like, this is like the initial like filter, like who can, who's a real big fan of the Nick and Matt show kind of a thing. We get like, you know, 10,000 people take the quiz. Only 50 of our true fans get it right. Then we limit the field. So we'll figure yeah. out a way to do that. But that's what we're going to do. Um, I think we've kind of got here, Nick. You've been really busy. I've been really excited for you. Did you miss anything yeah. you wanted to talk about? You said Discura. People should check that no, out. I, to, I you guys go on to, oh, I'm very close. Uh, DiscuraDG.com. I'm super excited to finally for the business world of disc golf. And um, this is something I'm very passionate about when it comes to apparel. Uh, I, I like dressing nice. I like dressing in comfortable clothing. My goal with Discura is to come out with nice clothing that is good looking, you know, and then it's also protecting. But then when you want to hang out with your buddies afterwards, you get to wear a nice love style hoodie. There's going to be a bunch of different designs. Um, my hats will be coming from there as well with the NC logo night logo on them. We're calling it the dark night. And, uh, yeah, anyways, any, any of that supports me. It helps me out. It helps out my company. And I would really appreciate if you guys at least go to discuradg.com to see if there's anything you would like. And then almost every single week, I'm going to keep shouting out discura because we're going to keep coming out with new stuff. We're going to come out with new designs and, uh, it's, it's a really, really cool time. And then once again, there are still some of my 2022 fundraiser discs. So if you go to discuradg.com and you look up uh, the Nick Carl section, you'll actually see my discs. They all have some really, really sweet stamps, awesome swirls. And I'll tell you this, I threw a majority of my NC, like I have a really, really good nuke in my bag with my logo, a zone and buzzes with my logo on it. And they're incredible. Wow. So, so I love them. Yeah. So I'm going to do something that's going to boom. Ben's on screen. <laughs> <laughs> surprise hey ben i'm gonna do this like once a show just like totally freak him out ben what do you have to say about tonight's show i have to say that nick congratulations amazing round you're awesome thank you um keep putting central mass on the map that's all that's all i gotta say um we're all proud of you trying to appreciate it and uh oh, also i uh on this which i can't read the chat right now i've been growing my hair out for a little while and uh i always a lot of my friends one of them who's not too far away really wants me to put it into a mullet 
And yes. I know my mom would kill me if I did that. But I'm curious if the chat would like to see me rock a mullet because I'm thinking tomorrow, honestly, with how hot it's going to be in Texas this week, my curls on the side of my face or the side of my head are really popping out now and it's getting really annoying. So normally I would cut my hair pretty short this time of year, but I kind of like it long in the back. So I'm just wondering, would people still watch the show if <laughs> I just went and cut a mullet in my hair tomorrow? What Would it be, <laughs> would it be at all like... Um... Ben Calloway, like I wouldn't have gone like he wasn't like mullet mullet, but it was kind of mohawk mullet. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be faux hawkish mullet. It would literally be like <laughs> modern day mullet to where I'm just gonna like shave off the sides right here. And oh here. man! But like not super deep, but like kind of mullet it up, you know, just for the right. heck of it. Because so, I'll probably go a week with that, hate it, and then I'm gonna cut it short again, and so I can gel it up. So Nick, this hair I know is messy. I grew it out from a mullet. You see, it's a little short here, way yeah. long in the yeah, back. Yeah. Um, 100% recommend, you know, it just gets the confidence boosted and um, exactly. you'll shoot better rounds. It's guaranteed. That, I feel like if I can get a little bit more aerodynamic right now, you know, have that wind just flow <laughs> through the hair, then who knows? No, nah, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of kidding around, but I might, I might cut my hair into a bullet tomorrow. I don't know yet. All right. I've decided the talking point for everybody to have. That's not, we're not going to do this on the Nick and Matt show right now, but I do have a question just to say that we're recognizing these things. Like what's, what's up with Paige? If we were to place bets right now, when is the next event that she wins? Uh, again, like this is like for us to consider, maybe come back with, is she going to win the next event? Yeah. Is that Texas States? Is that pages to win? Or is that going to be like Haley's or Valerie's or like, I don't know. Oh, I'm assuming uh, I'm assuming she's here in Belton, right? Excuse me. Okay, but I guess Is I mean I guess Belton? I mean elite like pro tour. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, she came close at Vegas. She had a bad 18th hole on the last round. Um, she finished right? 11th last right? year yeah. at Texas State. I'm not saying that she's not like good, well, Nick, but I guess I'm just saying the over under. If we were betting, yeah. like we're not a betting show, but if we were. Like, is yeah. she going to get the win? Like, how many events until she gets the win? She's going to be there, I'd imagine, in most contention, like most most matches. I say I say within the next three Pro Tour Elite Series events, okay. she's going to get a win. Let's mark then, it down. Let's honestly, mark it down. I wouldn't be surprised if she puts a massive push at the Georgia World. Uh, excuse me, the Georgia a Major, the Champions Cup. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We're just about betting really quick. But uh, I want to <laughs> give a huge shout-out to a Massachusetts crew, the Shed Zone Spread Zone. If you look up Shed Zone Spread Zone on YouTube, you're going to find this brand new show that talks about all the different spreads in disc golf. They are mathematically and they're showing spreads for players like Chris Clemens against Emerson Keith, Paul Macbeth versus the field. Like I'm pretty sure their spread was Paul was supposed to beat the field by two and Paul covered the field because he won by three. And so it, they have these awesome ways of figuring out all these different spreads. So if that's kind of your thing, you really want to see like head-to-head -head players going against each other check out shed zone spread zone great group of guys from massachusetts and they do a really 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 fun show so if go check it out see players going head-to-head -head, like you can just go to statmando.com as well yeah but like yeah you see the head-to-head -head there but i'm saying like they'll come out with I, a spread like emerson keith is supposed to be at this event he's supposed to be chris clemens by two and a half strokes yeah that's cool and so then it's like no, i get that that is cool chris covered the spread yeah you can see all the head-to-head -head stuff when it comes to like 
as I just found out, I've actually never looked this up, but Paul is 13 and 0 against me. Shocker. But yeah, that's pretty awesome. All right. I gave Ben an opportunity to say something. Evan, did we miss anything I, that we wanted to point out for you? Going back real quick to the Paige Pierce talk. She didn't win it last year, but she is like deadly good at Jonesboro. So if she doesn't get a win, which I would be, I would be shocked if she does, if she has zero wins by the time we hit Jonesboro, but if she doesn't have a win at Jonesboro, like I'm thinking that's going to be a comeback. All right. So we're not, um, we're not like, uh, What's the right word I'm looking for here? Not out calling her washed up yet. Yeah, no <laughs> it would way. be a while if she went yeah. through Jonesboro without a win. Then we'd be like, something is wrong. But if yeah. it's so soon, we forget. Remember last year through the first portion, like she did have LVC, but then like she went a while with like issues. She was saying there's things like my mental game or whatever. So it's not wouldn't be unusual. We're gonna see her strike at some point and just dominate a few events or more. It would be awesome to see yeah. uh, the field is just the field in FPO is just spectacular. And the fact that Valerie has done it now and, you know, Haley's going to get up to speed with her discs. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Nick, we made it there. Nope. We made it there. Go ahead and wrap it up. It's actually yes. right on time. Give it, give it, give it a go, Nick. So everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Macho live on Monday nights. Uh, I had a great couple of guests tonight. The winners from the Waco annual charity open super, super great time. I want to give a huge thank you to any one of you guys who sent me very, very kind messages throughout this last weekend. It was an incredible experience and I hope it's not going to be the last one. I'd like to say it's definitely not going to be the last one, but um, someone came up to me and asked me if I told someone I love them this week and I absolutely did. So uh, don't forget to tell someone you love them this week. Go ahead, click like, subscribe, check out our show and all the podcast platforms. We'll catch you in the next one. Ben, Evan, Nick, you guys are awesome. Peace out. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.